The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. This is episode 200 of the show. Uh, you know, feeling pretty good about getting to episode 200. And of course, we had to bring back Patrick Laird and Peter Overzet. Uh, this is a, a very long podcast. This is part two of the show that came out yesterday where we did the book club with the author of Radical Markets, Glenn Well. We don't really touch much on the book in this podcast. It's just kind of a conversation about Laird's offseason and Bitcoin, and we try to we, we actually got Laird to buy Bitcoin in the show, but uh, I think just a, a great conversation with our buddy Patrick. I think you guys will all really enjoy it. Uh, of course, please uh, subscribe to Peter Overzet's YouTube channel, which is where this originally broadcast. If you want to watch it on video, uh, follow Pete on Twitter, follow Pat on Twitter. If you want to support this show, you can get bonus episodes on patreon.com slash takecast, and you can also leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another stream here on the channel. We have gotten the band back together. The last time the three of us talked, we were drafting a fantasy team for Laird back in uh, beginning of September. A lot has changed since then. We just recorded a book club podcast with Pat Davis and the author of Radical Markets. That'll be coming out later on the TakeCast, and I'll post the video here as well. But without further ado, Patrick, how have things been, my man? They've been good. Yeah, just uh, enjoying the offseason. I'm, I'm back in California right now. Um, yeah, how you guys doing? Doing good. We're we're just in these content streets. We haven't, you know, I see you, you're you're skiing, you know, I see your girlfriend there drinking a Coors Light on the lift and I'm just here eternally logged into my computer. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't I don't think I've logged off since our draft. I think we we finished <laughs> our draft in September and I'm pretty certain I have not. I've not logged off since then. So to to announce how we did this past season, we came in third place. Okay. I think, I think my record was like Seven and six. Does that make, or I don't know. Yeah, that adds up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, and how much did we win? Zero. Zero dollars. Zero dollars. Wow. Yeah. Did you find, I mean, I did expect you to kind of hit us up for more advice throughout the season. It seemed like you were kind of in set it and forget it mode with your team. No, I was actually pretty active with it. I would, um, I'd select, you know, usually like 20 minutes before kickoff. I would just put my lineups in. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you told us, you told us when we did that show in September, one of the things I asked you was when is the, when is the last time you could check your phone before kickoff? And you were like, you know, we're in the locker room an hour before, like I could be on my phone. So I assume that's what you were using that time for. Yeah. I'm always just realigning <laughs> my fantasy roster. But no, honestly, what happened was I used your guys' suggestions at the beginning of the season and I wasn't winning. <laughs> so I, I took over from there and that's when I got a win streak going. And I made it, you know, I, I, I mean, made it into the playoffs and then 
won one game in the playoffs and then lost, and then I won again, so I came in third place. You you realize though that you you held the goods out on us. You could have told us that Miles was going to be the guy. That Miles <laughs> was the guy. I mean, dude, Miles was going not even drafted in these drafts. You could have been like, bro, I got this info. Miles Gaskin, my guy, my Pac-12 brother. He's gonna he's gonna shoulder the load, and you you held out on us. Well, I think I told you guys that because so I saw people's tweets about that after the fact. They're yeah. like. Yeah, I went back and watched Laird's reaction to you guys saying like Miles isn't being uh, outed or you know being drafted in these these leagues. And when that happened, I like in my head I made that face and I was like, "Ooh, wait, I don't know if people are going to notice that." And then they did. They we did drafted freaking Jordan Howard, man, and he didn't even end the season as your teammate. Yeah, I mean. Jordan's an awesome guy. Like, I, I, I really think Jordan's a really good running back. I mean, besides, you know, people have their opinions and all that. But I, I really think he's a good running back. But then I told you guys in a text, like, when you guys brought it up to me about Miles, like, I had no idea either. I just knew – I knew Miles was really good. And actually, shout out to Miles. It's his birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Miles. Happy fan birthday. of the show, I think. He, he's a big fan. He talks about you guys all the time. <laughs> uh so like I didn't even know myself how much he was he was gonna play, and then after the the first game of the season, when he ended up, I think he had the majority of the snaps out of all the running backs, like a vast majority. We were on the crushed. We were on the plane rot, the plane back, and I just like went up to him. I'm like, dude, did you have any idea you're gonna play that much? And I guess he had some idea that he was gonna be you know a big a big part of the offensive game plan, but I don't know if he knew he was gonna play that much. And I think he was kind of the hot hand that day against New England, and then. He just kind of kept stringing a lot of good games together, and then he just started taking the, the you know most of the workload, which I, it was awesome to see. Yeah, the I I had gotten comments from people about the Miles thing because Davis, you said Patrick should have told us, but I got replies from people saying Patrick hinted that Miles was the guy that people had picked up on that breadcrumb. Yeah, no. people people were people were intimating that you had some kind of reaction, but I mean, I guess it is one. If Miles himself didn't know, then I guess that we can't harbor too many resentments against yeah. you for uh, for holding out on us. Yeah. What? So I was surprised no one was because you, you guys made it seem like no one was considering him. I think that was my surprise. Yeah, but I guess it makes sense because he didn't start playing our rookie season. He didn't start playing, I think, until week twelve. Yeah. And even when he was playing, I, I still started, and then. Um, I mean, we basically like were co-starters essentially, and then he got hurt at the end of the season. So like, he didn't really have that many weeks to prove that he could be a starting NFL running back. I think in most people's eyes. But then I have seen him behind the scenes. Like, I know how hard he works. I've seen him in practice. Like, I knew that he was going to play a lot for us this year. Um, but obviously, you guys, you guys saw how well he, you know, how well he played, and he showed everyone that he's going to probably play running back in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. What a, I mean, we haven't really got, I mean, we, we messaged with you a little bit about it, but what was the overall experience of playing in this COVID year from just like a safety protocol thing, how it differed from your rookie year, what it was like to travel. Uh, I just, so much of that, um, still kind of from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to like to talk about with, with how the season went. Um, I'd say travel. We, it's it was kind of similar just because like we we charter planes anyways so you know you usually just pull up to, not to like this is what happens you just pull up to the plane 
you go through like a little, you know, TSA check and then you're on and you just go to your seat and you just, it's like, it was the same. Basically you just had to wear a mask the whole time. Um, I guess less people traveled with us. You know, sometimes there'll be like executives and support people, more, more people will travel. I think, I guess we had less or less and then the plane was more open. And so people spaced out, um, going to hotels. Usually we get like a whole floor, you know, and then pe- things will be shut off. But that was normal anyways, because like they don't want people harassing, you know, team, you know, my team, like when we, when we travel. So, yeah, they don't want any of Fitzpatrick's 14 kids running around causing too much trouble. <laughs> no, I, they, they actually showed up to, well, not this year, but last year they would show up to a lot of games and they're, they're always super funny to see. Cause like, they just see their dad going out and like these pads and you just see him like run up and grab them. And, um, yeah, I don't have Fitz is the man. We, we should definitely have a little segment talking about him, but, uh, the, the thing that was tough, and I think I told you guys about this, like at the end of the season, everyone in the NFL went into intensive protocol is what the NFL called it, where at the beginning of the season, they tried it out where when teams had a, what they considered an outbreak, it was like a certain number of guys triggered a team having to go into intensive protocol, which means mm-hmm. that the team could only meet at the facility for practice. So they would, everyone in the morning wakes up, goes to the facility, does their COVID test, goes home, goes on their computer, meets for a couple hours, drives back to the facility. You put on your pads and everything outside, you know, or your, you know, your, your workout gear outside. Um, we have a bubble. So ours is all spread out in this bubble, but then you practice and you take it all off. You throw it in these bins and then you have to hop in your car, drive home, shower, eat, and then do zoom meetings again. So that's what they tried at the beginning of the season, which is a select number of teams. I think like the Titans were probably like, the first team to go into that. And then at the end of the season, I think it was around Thanksgiving. They're like, all right, no, everyone's in intensive protocol. And so for, I don't know, it was like six or seven weeks or something like that. Like every team had to just literally zoom in the morning, drive, practice, drive home, and then zoom for the rest of the day. How many times would you say you got tested throughout the course of the season? Uh, I didn't miss a day from, I don't know, like July, whenever camp started till December 3rd. Wow. So July 20, nasal, nasal swab or spit test, nasal swab. Oh man. But no, it wasn't like the brain, you know, like the brain scrape ones. You guys yeah. Okay. yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten COVID tested three times with the, all the way to the back of my brain. It's not, it's not that fun. No, that's, that's the worst. I got, I got that back in like April. Um, when I got, I got the stomach flu and I thought it was COVID. So I went and got tested, but it wasn't. And then by the time we showed up in July, they had developed like just the nasal one kind of outer rim, you know, they do like 10 seconds on each side and then they send it to the lab. So I did that every day from like late July to December 3rd, which is the last, you know, the last game we played. One thing we, I remember we talked about you the first time we did the show and, you know, the dolphins hadn't had uh, a great season and there was kind of the whole conversation around, you know, tanking. And you talked to us about, you know, establishing the culture and how that can actually set you up even if you get a worse draft pick to, you know, be quicker off to the races when you do get the assets, then this year you guys take this leap, almost make the playoffs. I'm curious, what was that kind of transition like going from being a rebuilding team to a team that was legitimately competing and competitive against any other team this year? Yeah. Sorry. I think I said December 3rd when I was talking about COVID testing, I got till January 3rd, our last game. Um, The fact checker is coming out already. Yeah. I just realized I did that myself but uh 
Yeah, I mean, it was so much more fun. Obviously, like my rookie season, I was just like blown away. I was playing in games, you know, so I was having fun the whole year. But like this year, it was something different where in December, you're playing meaningful games. And winning at any point is fun. But like when you win like a game, like you guys remember the Raiders game when Fitz had the, you know, the face mask pulled and then yeah. you know, throws it down the sideline to Matt Collins and then, um, we get the penalty on top of that. So now we're in field goal range and Jason Sanders kicks the game winning field goal. Like if we lose that game, like the next two weeks, like don't mean as much. Cause like, we're kind of not in control of where you know, like the last couple of games we, we were in control of whether we made the playoffs or not. And so like, it just meant so much more. It was, it was so fun to be a part of a team that had that, you know? And then obviously with our last game of the season, it was just, we just had a terrible game as a team, just offense, defense and special teams. We just had a bad game. Um, so it was, a, it was a complete bummer the way we ended the season. Um, but, I'm, I mean, we have a lot of guys coming back, and I think we're all remembering that. You know, that's going to that's gonna be something that's in our mind because obviously now the Bills are kind of like everyone thinks that they're – or I mean, they they kind of – The division's there for the taking, man. Old, right, man, old man Tom's gone. Yeah, I mean, the division right now, like the Bills are people believe that they're like going to be the front runner for the, I mean, they are the front runner because they just won it this, this last year. So like we kind of have that in our minds going going forward. And obviously I'm not here to make predictions on what's going to happen to AFC East. But uh, yeah, I just think that it was a sour way to end the season. But if like with the amount of guys we have coming back, a young team, like we have that we just have that in the back of our minds going forward. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, the growth, as you said, like people thought we were tanking two years ago this year, we're in the playoff hunt. Um, so it'll, it'll be exciting to see what happens going forward. And then, like you said, with the draft picks, like we have the third, I think it's the third overall pick this year. Four, right. Third or fourth, something like that. I'm going to assume Patrick knows, but who knows? Hold on. Uh, I should know this, but I, I, I think maybe I just got it wrong. No, yeah, you guys, you guys have number three. So lots of, lots of great players, lots of great players, uh, that can, that can join the Miami Dolphins at three. Um, what was, uh, what was the experience being there during, uh, during a quarterback controversy? Like, was that, I, I've always kind of wondered the effect that like the, the, the switching of the guard at quarterback has on the team. Like, are you guys like sitting in the weight room, like gossiping about the quarterbacks when they're in the quarterback meeting room? Like, is it, does it kind of take over and impact the whole team? Uh, I don't think it did with ours just because based on like the makeup of our team as a whole, and then just those two guys, you know what I mean? Like everyone knows Ryan Fitzpatrick's an amazing guy. Everyone knows Tua is a great guy and they're both great teammates. So I could imagine like on a team, um, especially with like bigger egos, like I feel like our team isn't made up of guys with a bunch of big egos, but I could imagine like if there's a quarterback battle or controversy, like egos are going to go to one side of the room, you know, in, in the other and like kind of butt heads, I guess. And then like, especially if you like one of the quarterbacks as a guy and maybe the other quarterback's an asshole and like you don't like him but he might be playing better. You know what I mean? Like there's different dynamics where for there's, us, inter, inter, there's workplace interpersonal dynamics to play outside of like, just who's better. Yeah. Right. Right. But for us, it's like, everyone likes Tua, everyone likes fits. Um, and just like a lot of time, those decisions are made way above at least my pay grade. Like, 
I can have assistant in, to the quarterback input into that decision. And so it doesn't help for me to sit around in the locker room and like say, this is what I would do. Or, you know, it's kind of like, you just have to trust the decisions that are made. And um, yeah. What a, it, because it did seem uh, obviously I'm, I'm in the bag for the dolphins, but it, it seemed like people were being unnecessarily uh, harsh or knee jerk on Tua of not delivering up to being whatever they thought he would be immediately like this top five NFL quarterback. What was that like to kind of witness uh, his progress in person and see how he was handling kind of the weight of those expectations? I can just speak for me personally. Like I know how hard it was just to be a rookie running back in the NFL. I cannot <laughs> imagine how hard it would be to be a a quarterback, a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Like it just seems so tough to, to grasp all that. There's so much more that comes with the position. Like the mental part of it is so much harder. Um, but I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not in all the quarterback meeting rooms. So I don't necessarily know like everything that goes on. Um, but just from like my perspective, like I think Tua has like a lot of poise. So, and he seems, you know, he has a good head on his shoulders. So I'm not sure like, all the people on the outside, all that outside noise bothers him. I mean, maybe it does, but he doesn't show it, which I think is probably a good, you know, that's probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, like I said, like, he's just a great dude. Um, you know, he, he wants to win. He's used to winning. Uh, so it's so hard to judge a rookie quarterback, I think, because like, and especially with like this year without, you know, OTAs and all that development you get and, um, learning the playbook early on, like he just had to show up and already know the playbook essentially. So it's so hard to judge a guy in his first year. So like, that's, if anyone's listening, that's been hard on him. I guess that that's my, that's what I tell people. It's like, if someone just watched my rookie season, I wouldn't want them to think that defined me as a football player. And I think our coaches know, know that, um, that every football player can always get better. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited to see him in year two and, and see what he does. What was, what was, I remember back when we talked with you for your draft, it was right after the team had acquired Lynn Bowden and I, I was sweating bullets at the cut deadline. I was, I was worried if that, you know, is, is Patrick on the outs here? You know, people were messaging all this <laughs> yeah, stuff. We're, we're messaging beat writers for the Dolphins yeah. to get answers. What, what was that experience like? this year did you did you feel like your job was on the line at any point do you feel kind of solidified in in the position you have and in the role you have on the team or is it like always looking over your shoulder what has that been like I think you have to do that I think you have to always I don't know like necessarily looking over your shoulder but like you kind of always have to work and and prepare as if you know, your job could be taken away like that because it can't. Like, I could get a text right now saying, hey, we're going to release you from the Dolphins. Like, We saw that podcast, and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say good enough things about two of us. You're, you're yeah. um, no, I think there's, like, a healthy amount of that, right? Like, I don't – you can't have – I've seen guys that have so much that the anxiety shows up on the practice field. I don't think I ever had that, but I always had, like, in the back of my mind, like, they can always have three running backs on the active roster. They don't need a fourth. They don't need a fifth. You know what I mean? So, like, I just had to in, – going into camp this year, I just had to show that, like, I could produce at running back. I can be reliable on special teams. And I'm going to worry about, what I, you know, how well I'm showing that to the coaches and how good of a teammate I can be. And then if they want to keep me, then they keep me. And um, that's what they decided to do this year. 
Um, but again, like going into year three, like I, I love being a part of the Dolphins and like I want to be a core part of the core group that I was talking about before. Like I want to be a part of that group, but I got to, I got to prove it again. You know what I mean? Like I don't have any guaranteed money in my contract. So like if they cut me, they don't owe nothing goes. I think they, there's like $3,000 worth of my signing bonuses against the dead cap, but like, that's nothing. So like I have to continually prove it each year. And um, so this year though, like with the Lynn Bowden trade, like when we brought him in, he was a receiver from the beginning um, I know people saw like towards the end of the season with Malcolm Perry playing more, he was playing more of the receiver, um, you know, wildcat quarterback role. So yeah, like, uh, I don't know, like on the outside, like there's people that like, Oh, they're bringing in other people and all that stuff. But for me, it's like, I kind of knew the role that I had and I, I didn't let, I didn't let any of the transactions and all that stuff stress me out that much, but you know, I'm still human. So obviously some, sometimes it does. I'm being honest. <laughs> it, if you if you're being honest, like in your perfect world, are you getting 25 touches a game? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so because like I want to play a long time, and I'm like, <laughs> if I if I could play, because like this year I don't know how much I average, but like there'd be some games like I'd have like three or five plays on offense or seven or twelve. You know what I mean? Um, I go I go into like a lot of two minute situations, a lot of third down stuff. Um, I did some two back stuff with miles, which was really fun. And then I play on most of the special teams. Like I feel like that amount of playing time, obviously like you want to, cause if you don't play that enough, then you don't have enough value to the team where they're, they'll find someone else that'll come and bring more value. But then if you're one of those dudes that like getting 25 touches a game, you're getting hit 35 times because you know, you're doing pass protection, you're doing all that other stuff. Like your body doesn't last that long. So you're as a competitor, as a football player, like you always want to do more and, and contribute more. But then I think if you want to have a long career, you got to be smart as well. Um, so I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to like, you know, play more, but. Right. But I, what you are saying is you, you're okay with miles getting chewed up in the meat grinder with those 20 carries a game. Yeah. You, you want to <laughs> take those hits in between the tackles. Yeah. yeah. Because you want the Tom Brady career. You want to be playing until you're 48. Yeah, no. What's one of those like backup run, uh, quarterbacks that like has played for Chase like, Chase Daniel? You're right. And like, how what percentage of snaps have they played in their career? I mean, those guys have a really important role. I think people bash on like how much money backup quarterbacks make. Like a lot of them have an important role on teams. Um, but yeah, if I could get like that backup running back role for like twelve years, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. Chase Chase Daniel, he's. He's been in the NFL since 2010. He's thrown 261 passes and started five games. And he's made, I mean, generational money. His his grandkids' grandkids will be living off of uh, Chase Daniels' uh, NFL backup quarterback money if he's invested in the right things. Yeah, that's an, if he's invested in enough Bitcoin, I think they should be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, except the fact that you're you're actually not allowed to sell your Bitcoin uh, because then you can't tweet about it if you've sold it. So, you know, I don't know how much of a hodler Chase Daniel is. <laughs> Who's a yeah? Was it? It's Russell Acoon, right? That is the guy that just tweets the former football player that tweets about it nonstop. Or is he still in the NFL? Uh, I don't. He is not. He's on the. He's in the NFL. Okay. There's one guy that got like a deal recently and I, everyone was saying like he's being paid in Bitcoin, but really it's like just a percentage of his salary is being sent to this company that then converts it to Bitcoin and gives it to him. Yeah. Right. 
that, that's who we're talking about, Russell Acoon. Uh, he plays for the uh, Carolina Panthers. Before the, the, the show gets off the rails when we start talking about crypto and there's already like 19 top shot jokes in the, in the chat. I am curious, do you have like any specific um, like fitness goals or things that you have um, on tap this off season, or is it just kind of general maintenance um, to stay at the level that you're at? No, I, I definitely have a, a couple goals. Um, one, I think build more explosiveness, kind of get those first five to 10, 15 yard, um, bursts, uh, a little, just a little faster. I just, I want a little bit more burst and a little bit more explosiveness in how I play. Um, and I have a couple different ways I'm working on that. And then two, just build top end speed in general. Um, that can help, you know, if you break a, a run, but a lot of times that's going to help on like special teams running down on kickoff, punt return, keeping, you know, staying in line with guys. Um, so d- number two, you have top end speed and then three, kind of what you were saying were like maintenance, for me, like the first two things I said is pretty much all lower body. For me, like upper body maintenance is really just like injury prevention. So like kind of building more muscle mass on the top of my body. So when I do, you know, carry the ball and absorb those hits or when I am in pass protection, like a lot of the time I'm going against guys that are bigger than me. So I got to, you know, have some muscle mass to like brace myself. And so that's, that's the thing I work on with my, my upper body is really just like stuff that's going to help with injury prevention and then a little bit of like pass protection strength. But uh, yeah, it's really just like getting more explosive so that like, you know, I can get the ball. I can make more plays. Do you have to lose weight for that? Like, would you have to play at like two Oh five or something like, like, you know, lighter than that in order well, to do I'm that? Now. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could pull up what, okay, this is a good one. Laden thinks Laird, what do you think your combine weight was? Do you remember? Uh, I didn't go to the combine, but like my pro day weight. Sure. Yeah. What do I think it was? Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? What do you think your official weight was like listed by the NFL? I think I know. I think I know what it is. Let's hear it. Why wouldn't he know this? <laughs> it is. It is two hundred five. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know if he would look at that. I don't know if guys remember that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You are listed at two hundred five. I mean, football players and their weight. That's like a very like. We weigh in weekly because we can get fined if you're if you're you go above a certain weight. That that actually uh, ties into this question here because I've seen them talk about that a little bit on this year's Hard Knocks. But Andrew asked, would Patrick be excited or not if NFL chose the Dolphins as the Hard Knocks team for this year? Because I know people right. have different opinions on that uh, for as far as players. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be like not excited. I wouldn't be like mad or anything, <laughs> you know. My girlfriend likes watching Hard Knocks. <laughs> so uh, the, the issue with stuff like that, for not issue, for me, like I'm not I'm not that like exciting or theatric of a person. So like even if I was on Hard Knocks, like I'm sure there wouldn't be many clips of me that make the cut. Does that make sense? Like in a big group setting, I'm not the one jumping into a conversation and like taking over and saying a bunch of jokes and stuff. Not a big extrovert. Well, here's the no, thing. So, like, I'm not going to be – I'm going to be, like, the guy in the background that people will be like, who's this guy that's, like – is he, like, the guy – the intern for camp? You the know? intern. I'm yeah, you're the intern. And, like, I don't have a cool – I don't have a cool backstory that they're going to do, like, a profile on. So, here be cool to see my teammates and stuff. I know because I'm sure some guys will get really into it. I have a few in mind. But – um the wheels are turning for me. Yeah. So, if, if the Dolphins get the hard knocks, you know, submission – 
I'm going to become your drama coach. We are going to craft kind of a character for you to play a thinly veiled character here. I'm going to have a few things that I think might pop for the HBO cameras, some viral stuff, some pranks. Um, and we will make you the star of hard knocks, Miami dolphins. We just need him to become the crypto guy, the dolphins crypto guy. <laughs> That's gets locked in airtime. Like you trying to explain Ethereum to uh to miles like that's just would be golden tv i don't think i want to be tied because <laughs> you know like each season there's like oh that's like the i don't know you know like there there's examples like that that's the crypto or that's the dancing guy yeah 100 percent. no no this is what you need it, it has to be something really quirky so this would be the thing like we would come up with this story where like you're really worried that everyone's gonna eat your lunch and so you like hide your lunch like throughout the facility and you make like a little treasure map to find it. And you like dig little holes where you put your sandwich in and the cameras are like, what's Patrick Laird doing? They're like, oh man, he's just digging up his morning snack. I mean, that storyline alone, the dude who digs up his snacks from various portions of the playing field, that's what goes viral, Patrick. See, the, the, the issue with that, there's already someone on my team that does even weirder stuff than what you just mentioned. And I already know like his profile just get put ahead of mine. So like we weird ideas. Who and is just, this? And what's the weird shit? Dude, doing? come on. Uh so he probably won't even care because he's like one of he's one of my best friends on the team. But Matt Collins, our receiver, um just the goofiest guy. So I mean like you you the reason I can say this is because like he shows up to our games every like every Sunday like a different outfit. Have you guys seen this guy? Like like one year or one uh, week this year he like had a like a robe on and then he like tore it off and he had like this anime tattoo on his stomach with like boxing gloves. I don't know. He just, let me, Here I was, I just, I just Twitter searched Matt Collins outfit and I have dolphins fans complaining about Matt Collins's outfit <laughs> on Twitter. That's yeah. all I can find. So that's Max. So like, there's like little things that he does that I'm sure the camera would pick up. Um, like he'll take, I don't know. I can't even explain them all, but like, let's see. He dressed up as Bob Ross for Halloween. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. See this right here with the bike. Uh, oh yeah. The bike. This is uh, ET here. Yeah. I don't even think that was Halloween. That's what I mean. Like he's showing up. Just not even, it's not even Halloween. That yeah. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think anything Pete could come up with is a better bit than that. So I do think you. Mac is, yeah. Do not I don't do know. not try to challenge me. I will come up with a bit for Larry. <laughs> he doesn't want a car. He'll ride his he'll like walk to work. Uh that's good. Um, all right. Well, we'll we'll work on this. I mean, we're not gonna let hard knocks Miami come and go without making you a star, okay? I mean, we're not gonna let that happen. I appreciate that. We gotta um, get Laird to the people. I agree. I'm I'm scrolling through the comment. I did I just I've been missing the comments. I haven't been looking. Oh, uh my guy Clay. Uh, part of the uh, the Deposit Kingdom Discord here. If you guys want to join that, link is in the show notes below. Mac was my neighbor in college. He has a pet snake too that freaks me the fuck out. Did you know about the pet snake? I yeah, I do. He has two pet snakes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't held them, but like a lot of guys on my team will hold them. Um, That's he, crazy. I guess snakes they only need to eat like once every two weeks. And so like, he can just go on the road. So he yeah, can just like, go. You guys can go play in New England. He can just leave the snake, and it's fine. Well, he, he has like uh like mice. He like has frozen mice that he buys. Spends like thousands of dollars on mice to feed his snakes. I love this title that Woody got drafted by Philadelphia Philly Mag. The Eagles drafted a snake guy. <laughs> 
And, hey, uh, Mac was a walk-on in college as well. There you go. We have a little walk-on connection. Walk-ons got to stay together, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I remember you had uh, posted on Instagram earlier in the season, or maybe it was during training camp, you were playing that, um, you were doing a chipping contest in the practice facility with Jason Sanders and that. Did, did you guys keep that going, your little golf exploits? No, we never we never got it going. Um, like the dining hall and everything was like shut down pretty much. You couldn't really congregate, you know, during training camp. So when we have like a couple hours between meetings and practice and stuff, um, some of us would go into our bubble where you can kind of space out. And uh, I brought a couple of my wedges and we just hit balls on our turf. <laughs> and like, how's your, how's your golf game? If you, you probably haven't played in months. I played, uh, actually played two days ago. Oh, all right. Yeah. You, literally outside of my house right now, it's hot, bro. It is minus five degrees. There's 10 inches of snow. It's terrible. Here, I can maybe turn this around. I can see the ocean right here. Oh, God. Here comes oh, no. oh, look at this. Oh, oh, this guy. All right. Lifestyles of the rich and famous over no, here. I don't need it. You know what? The view's slightly obstructed. I feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> what What have you been up to? So did you, you fly back home and you've been in um, California or in not where you grew up, though, right? You're down in Manhattan Beach? Yeah, Manhattan Beach area. Um, so yeah, I'm living with my girlfriend's, uh, my girlfriend's family right now. Um, and we're actually going to go back up to San Luis Obispo and I'm going to, you know, train up there, but I've been training down here. Our, um, the agency I'm, uh, I'm with, they have a f- training facility. So it's kind of closed off from the public and, um, you can get in there safely and, and work out. So I've been training the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, really just hanging out, hanging with my dog, Teddy, um, Going golfing a little bit, hanging at the beach, but kind of getting my body back. And relax. you know, Pat, I've noticed she's been your girlfriend for a while, but just yeah. just girlfriend now. For I think the entire time that we've known each other, are you starting to you starting to feel some of the heat there yeah. for for changing the title there? Kind of put putting me on on the spot on live. <laughs> he's also <laughs> at his future in law's house there too, Davis. <laughs> he's got like... They're actually not here right now, so we're in the clear. No, um, you're under no pressure to answer that. I'm just, yeah, I'm just uh, giving you a hard time. She, she'll never see this. She never watches any. Of, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's 33 minutes in too. So I mean, if she yeah, didn't no, watch, she's no, not here now. No, she's a, she's awesome. And, um, she's in law school right now. So, uh, I think before we do any, like the next steps in our relationship, we're um, probably gonna wait till she's done with school and then, uh, go from there. But, uh, yeah, she actually, she came out for the season and did law school out in Florida, but she, her law school was based in San Francisco, but obviously it was all virtual. It was all remote. Yeah. And then now it's uh it's all remote again because um, California has just had a lot of COVID cases. So she kind of bounced around with her laptop and her, her books. And so, yeah, it was, it was fun having her out in Florida. Where were you skiing? I saw you guys were skiing the other day. Uh, it's called snow Valley. It's like probably two and a half hours from LA. Okay. Snow Valley. How's the powder, man? You shredding that gnar or what? It wasn't much powder because it hadn't it hadn't snowed like in the last couple of days before. Um, it had rained a little bit actually, and then uh, it was actually because so this was Memorial Weekend, right? Today's Memorial Day. What? It's President's Day. Bro. President's Day. Bro. <laughs> Memorial Day is like four oh, months away. You know, I'm thinking uh, we're we're planning. My family's planning uh, family vacation in May, and we're doing it Memorial. So gotcha. President's Day, which I should know. Um, so it's President's Weekend, and so it was super crowded, and then there was high winds. So on the backside of the mountain, they shut down all the chairlifts. 
so the lift line was like 20 minutes um and so yeah like we only got a couple runs in before we, we headed home back in high school uh when i was in colorado our basketball coach um, I don't even know if he was allowed to do this, but he said we couldn't snowboard or ski cause he was too worried about us getting injured. Yeah. So I spent my salad days in Colorado, not being able to take advantage of one of the best perks of living in Colorado. Little did but I you, know, but you were paid off with your basketball career in the end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously it all worked out. I went on to play AAU and I now am actually a professional NBA basketball player. But other than that, it, it wasn't that, that fun at the time. I, I can they even enforce that. Apparently, I was scared enough to not go snowboarding because of. I mean, that stuff is written into lots of dudes' contracts, right? Like, I I remember the first time I read about that was like I read a Cal Ripken autobiography, and what like he like he like wasn't allowed to go snowboarding or like ride motorbikes or anything. Yeah, I think one thing in our contract we can't ride motorcycles. Yeah, work. I don't. I I don't know though. I don't know how much is that that's enforced. I do. Uh, I didn't mean to get you in trouble. I mean, if if you're hitting the half pipe, you know. Oh, okay. wait. Is this video of you? Uh, you're not going to be able hang, to see it. Hang on. No, I'm going big screen to you. Let's see it. Okay, one sec. I'm the this is going to be, this is gonna be so majestic. Is this you just... Is this like a 360 here? Let's see. Oh, look at this dude. Oh, my lift. Look, look at that. The tail grab? Oh my dude, that was gnarly. I it can't believe nice. you're better at snowboarding than me too. This sucks. Do you, do you do you skateboard, Laird? Do you, I, you 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 shred the gnar? I used to like I used to be obsessed with skateboarding. I used to do it like every day. You know that was like that was like my first fantasy football was like that was what like I was a I was a huge skateboarder when I was in middle yeah, school yeah. and high school. Yeah, that was my yeah, thing. Oh, my mixtape. Oh. Yeah. The the oh, yeah. That one's lived forever. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. Snowboarding is much harder though to me. I went no. um skateboarding's way harder than snowboarding. Skateboarding is I mean, I, I'm decent at snowboarding and I am awful at skateboarding. I felt like I felt like it was uh it just was not a comfortable experience for me because I was so used to being able to bail whenever you want it. And the feeling of being strapped in, I I what I wasn't big on it. Yeah. If you know how to fall in snowboarding though, you almost like I've had some pretty yeah. bad falls, but you're not going to get like, if you know how to fall, you're not going to get hurt, which I think I learned from skateboarding because skateboarding, you have to really know how to fall. But sometimes just falling on cement, you're just like, I broke my wrist twice growing up skateboarding. Can we get a logo of you going off the kicker, the silhouette, and then the Laird Jordan, uh, you know, <laughs> underneath it? I mean, that would be dope. Yeah. We got um, any more questions? <laughs> People are just mean in here. You know, there's a lot of is Davis three feet tall versus webcam in another room. <laughs> I was just doing I was doing TV before we got on, and they don't like the perpendicular lines that get set up. So I was still I was way down in my camera. Not a great not a great look. Are you in your uh, office? What so, with the stuff in the background? Is that macaroni uh, in the background? Yeah, it's not. This isn't real though. This is the the company I work for sent me uh, this this customized background with a bunch of shit that i wanted on it it's it, it looks sometimes people think it's real but none of this stuff is real it's all it's all an illusion oh it's a oh it's, it's a it's a cloth screen printed like piece of fabric that's there uh, it's a physical representation of digital collectibles that davis owns <laughs> across the metaverse <laughs> all right can we all right so is this the part is this the part where we uh is this the part where we tell layered about top shots 
So, I mean, I would just say, Patrick, there's a lot of people in this chat that like probably have never even seen our first interview because they've come in since top shots. And I guess first off, and I don't, I, 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 I can't even, I don't want this whole thing to be top shot Davis, but are you familiar with top shots, Patrick? No. Okay. That's what I figured. Um, Davis, I don't even know where do we start with this where you can get like a, a chunk of a training card. Is that what it is? kind of kind of but not not so much um okay and laird just left he's just he's, he's, oh <laughs> he's trying to come in the room one sec i will also say i'll use this chance to say so before we did this we just did the book club um radical markets and that podcast audio is going to come out on the take cast and we'll have the video out of it here uh and we were talking a little bit about crypto there and at one point when uh, the author Glenn mentioned he's still a crypto skeptic, Patrick started fist pumping. So literally fist pumping, dude. Like Pat wants my bags to go to zero. Like literally fist pumping my bags going to zero. <laughs> yeah. So if he's skeptical on uh, crypto, wait till we start talking about non fungible tokens, Patrick. We're gonna blow your mind. And and I'm skeptical of crypto almost like as a joke now, just to just to Davis. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to get to the decentralized point. We didn't really get to talk about it on the podcast. I want to talk about that for a second. But yeah. uh, go ahead and explain what the, the Top Shots thing. Go for it. Basically, Jeff. Top Shots are digital sports cards that exist on the blockchain. And Peter and I are all in. We are all in. Pete has, Pete has started a podcast called Club Top Shot. Where, what do you guys, you guys do it like two times a week, Pete? Basically, whenever people are just kicking down our door, telling us to do another episode, the, the, these people are savages, Pat. They want Top Shot content around the clock. So so basically, it's NBA sports cards, but they're videos. They exist on the blockchain. You can purchase them, sell them for American dollars. There you go. Pete is showing you a Luka Doncic Top Shot right now on screen. So the other thing about this, Patrick, is this company um they have an official license with the nba so they get the this footage and then they cut them up into these moments and it's generally just a you know a, a single play and then it's using blockchain technology you'll see here like the serial there were fourteen thousand of the or 1400 of these minted and i have serial edition 518 so instead of in the card market where you know there it'll just say two thousand total all of them, it doesn't matter if I have which one. These, the serial number has actually been reflected in the market of having value based on how high, how low it is, if it has a jersey match. So there's this whole world now of how the these things are being valued. So I don't I, I like to collect things and I always did when I was younger. Like I, I used to collect trading cards. Should um, we should we open a, a box of cards while we're on the show, Pat? An, an unboxing video. I just I just got this box like ten minutes before we started the show with Glenn, and I was like, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it and see if if we want to open some cards on the show. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down. But to my point, like, I'm not against collecting. Like now, I like to collect books, and I feel like that's a good lifelong collecting. That's why I got the hardcover instead of you yeah. guys. You yeah, know. I did get the paperback because I like the, the hardcovers. So I think they're gonna last longer. Yeah. Um. I'm not against collecting, but for whatever reason, I just think collecting something like a video online 
there's le there's less to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I don't want to turn this into a whole thing of that. It the thing is is I have zero interest in physical cards, like because that is just. Uh, other than my couple Patrick Laird cards that people have sent me, um, I hadn't collected any cardboard because I didn't do anything with them. And I was like, I don't do anything with these either. So that wasn't a barrier of entry for me. Yeah. And it's actually more realistic to show off things online than it is like to constantly show off a card. It's harder to do. And maybe that's a product too of us all just being extremely online right now although i don't envision when the pandemic's over people are going to be carrying their justin herbert panini psa graded cards in their back pocket to show friends although maybe i'm wrong maybe people are going to do that davis uh it's something you, it's like a collection you have at your house like with people with like interest they'll they'll come over and you yeah you know you show them, oh look at this collection i have oh here's my wall where i have my my best cards and yeah we got some we got some good refracting cards i mean i i pete pete uh, is is out on on the cardboard world. He's not he's not into it. I, they attacked I, me. They attacked me. They did. They they came after you really hard. Um, Patrick, listen to this story. I Davis sent me a Lavisca Chanel card, a man that you have once referred to as a grown ass man, and yeah. I was very excited. I was like, you know what? The only cards I own are Patrick Laird cards, and I'll add a Lavisca. So I order it, and I get it, and I'm excited, and I post it on Twitter. And these people come at me. It wasn't it wasn't graded from the right site. It's not the right edition. I'm wasting my money. I should quit the hobby. And so I'm done. I'm done. They shamed me out of cardboard. These people are snobs, Patrick. Well, that uh, that's kind of bad. That's bad business on their part because the the more people you have in the more demand in the card market, the higher the value of your cards are gonna go so they just forced out someone that was probably gonna drive up maybe one of their cards exactly i'm an influencer uh, and they shoot me away it's like when you play at the poker table and you berate someone for making a bad move you want him making a bad move that's that's yeah. good for your bottom line so yeah, yeah i'm out on cardboard and unless uh, it's a bad move and they end up winning that's annoying at the poker table <laughs> yeah but you don't you don't you don't yell at them though you don't yell at them you tell them nice hand and you move on and you just mentally catalog it did okay. you guys get, I, I think I, we asked you this the first time, but I'm curious this year with Corona, do you guys have any more good gambling uh, team stories? You know, guys playing blackjack while traveling, anything like that? You're not like allowed, like they, they kind of enforce it on the plane. You weren't allowed to like congregate that much. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. But uh, wait, what, did I tell a story about the dude um, winning like 15 grand like, on practice squad? Hang on, Davis, your, your cards are like crinkling in the audio. It, it, I got it. it. All right. Did I tell that story last time of the guy that won 15 grand? I was on practice squad. I don't think so. I don't remember. No. <laughs> uh, I don't even know that. So it wasn't on my team, but I met him this past off season and I didn't get his permission to share like his name or anything, but <laughs> it's a game where like you can, you, you look at your cards and then you can choose to play in. Does that make sense? And like, he knew he drew a really good hand at this point. Cause like when the pot, so if you if you put like it, it's like let's say it's twenty bucks to buy in, and you you put your money in, you lose that hand. Uh, you need to match the amount that everyone else put in plus the pot. And so at some point it got up to like someone lost at like seventy five hundred. So now they had to put seventy five hundred in themselves. So now the pot was worth fifteen grand. <laughs> so he had like a hand that he knew was so good that like he was either gonna tie with someone else because when you tie like it pushes. Yeah. Or he was gonna win, 
And so he, he puts like his money in because he was trying to like, he's like, I can't, I'm just going to keep folding and folding because I'm not going to be able to pay 15 grand. <laughs> he gets his hand, so he goes, I'm going to go in. And then he wins. And like people wrote him checks. And like he was like this kid on practice squad. Like, and that 15 grand he made on the plane was definitely more than his like his weekly check that he got. <laughs> so I uh, thought that was pretty crazy. But um, nothing from this season that I have off the top of my head. If I think of something, I'll let you guys know. Well, it, you mentioned that you're not in the in the crypto streets. Obviously, like everything in the market is pumping right now. Have you been Have you been doing any retail investing yourself? Were you part of this GameStop? Yeah, does Laird have a Robinhood account? Yeah, I, I had I opened one like in college, but I haven't I haven't used it in years. Um, I we talked about this in like the very first podcast. Like my investing philosophy is kind of like ETFs, buy and hold for. 30 years. And so I'm not going to lie. I did have a little FOMO with the, uh, the GameStop stuff. I have one friend that got a hundred thousand dollars in a day with off of GameStop options. Um, or were you guys uh, participating in that run? I did. I did AMC. I bought AMC options and then just some of the regular ones, but I, I lost like 300 bucks. Like I, I just, cause I was just going to ride it. Um, yeah. And it, it never wrote up for a couple different reasons. Like the the institutional setup was a little bit different there. I yeah. famously accidentally posted one of Davis's DMs. I was doing a stream and Davis was telling me we were all buying AMC stock the next day. And that DM <laughs> showed up on the screen. I I, I didn't do any uh, retail investing though. Yeah, I had a little FOMO, but for me, it's just like I'm too risk averse. And do you know what Bitcoin is at right now? Do you do you do you have a sense of how 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 expensive it is? Like forty three thousand. I look it up every once in a while. Forty seven thousand this morning. Last I looked. Forty eight thousand three hundred right now. There you go. It'd be interesting. That doesn't, that doesn't give you any FOMO. A, li- a little bit, honestly. Um, <laughs> like what we, when we talked like a year ago, what was it at? Probably we were at eight eight thousand. Probably the first time eight and ten thousand for a long time. So I could have I could have retired if I just <laughs> put my money into Bitcoin and then sold. You could have had Russell Okung money, man. <laughs> yeah, I um, I still need to research more. And you never you never sent me any like articles to look at. So I just oh <laughs> look at this he's, he's on, blaming man. us. I haven't sent you any articles. What art what article could I possibly send you that would get you to change your mind? You you, you are you're a no coiner, and that's I, I mean it's fine. This might be surprising, but I'm actually open for my mind for my mind to be changed. But I just I haven't had like the effort to like look into it that much. What what are your what are your biggest reservations? I just don't understand it as an asset class. Like I know you you mentioned so for the people that they're going to hear later, I guess. Um, yeah, you said Bitcoin is more of like an asset for investments and like eth- Ethereum. What is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ethereum. But Ethereum is going to be the one that people use for like crypto like actual currency to buy and sell things so i don't want it yeah so ethereum makes a little bit more sense as something to actually use as money for a couple different reasons the first the transactions are way faster if you've ever tried to send the transaction on bitcoin it's kind of slow uh it takes six confirmations to get through um so the idea with bitcoin now is less that you want to spend it to buy your lunch or whatever, but more that it, because there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins that exist, no more, no less, that 
as long as people are continuing to value it, it just it's it's hard it's hard for it to to decrease in value as there you know more U.S. dollars being printed. There were twenty two percent of all of the U.S. dollars that were ever printed in human history were printed this year alone or in twenty twenty alone. And the so Bitcoin's big asset is its scarcity. Ethereum's big asset is its scalability and the the speed of the transactions. Now there's like way more nerdy stuff to go into of like it's really expensive to send Ethereum right now because the gas fees are really high because the the um, network is being taxed because more people than ever are using the Ethereum network. But basically, the way I would explain it is Ethereum is used to build things and Bitcoin is already built. Like Bitcoin already exists to be what it's supposed to be. In the kind of the, the shift that has happened, you know, the, the original Bitcoin white paper, it called it like a peer-to-peer digital currency. And that vision, at least for the, the short and midterm, has kind of died. But even a lot of skeptics have come around on it as a store of value, as basically gold digital gold for this generation. And that's truly kind of how it's operating. People weren't wanting to transact with it because everyone was speculating on it as a store of value. So all these, I, Mark Cuban, I just heard tell a story the other day, they were offering people to buy Mavs tickets with crypto because he had heard, hey, this is all the rage. People want to get their hands on it. No one was, you. he said he sold like $300 in tickets because everyone wanted to hold their Bitcoin. So I think that what's interesting about it is how maybe the true vision of it has shifted a little bit. But now as a store of value, you see with the Elon Musk and the Tesla kind of position and more of these institutional investors wanting to get it on their ledger sheet that they do view it as a very good hedge against a lot of the inflation inflation and stuff that's going on with uh, the U.S. dollar. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I get the store of value thing, I guess. Um the what what's the so I get the the decentralized thing is something people bring up when yeah. I was taking economic classes. One of the advantages of just in macroeconomics, one of the advantages of having a centralized currency like the U.S. Treasury bill and, and the U.S. dollar, like it's backed by a a pretty powerful government body that can you know validate or not, not validate validate, but like gives it its value you know what i mean and so with the treasury or the u.s treasury or sorry the federal reserve kind of their goal is to just have inflation be stable at around two percent every year um i know we're printing a ton of money but um i don't know there's just like the, the centralized planning in my mind isn't necessarily i shouldn't yeah it's like not a bad thing like you just having continuity like with bitcoin it's hard to make a long-term investment with it not knowing whether its value is going to double in next year or fall by 50%. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm not yeah. really explaining it, how I'm thinking about it very well, but that's one of the ideas. Like just because it's decentralized in my mind doesn't necessarily make it a good thing. Davis, do you have something to say? You're still ripping your pack open here. I am still ripping. I'm waiting to get something good. We got, we got nothing good so far. So, <laughs> The answer to the answer to why the decent like the the fact that there is no one monitoring the fact that there is no one saying it's worth this much that we should print this much that is um, that's a feature not a bug to a lot of the people who are investing in Bitcoin because because basically it is a source of money and a source of value that no one person or no one group of people can 
mess with, that, that no group of people can say, okay, we're going to do this with it. We're going to print this much. We're going we're gonna to deflate the economy this much. Like a lot of the, the Bitcoin true believers are saying the whole, the whole point is that no one can mess with it because it is because the decision points are stretched out all across the globe. Right. And I guess my point is like, I don't know if that's necessarily like a good thing. I don't know if that. Well, I don't know if it would be a good thing for dollars that you want to transact in, but it's really good for something that you want to hold value over lots of years because you know, the, like the, the problem in investing in anything is like, well, what if it, what if the people in charge, you know, flood it? What if, uh, you know, what if this, what if that, what if other groups of people have incentives that don't line up with yours and everyone who owns Bitcoin basically has the same incentive, which is that we should just keep the, the protocol layer working as it exists. Yeah. I, I, I do think, I, I think that's the thing of kind of orienting how you think about it. I mean, I think Davis and I have strong beliefs in thinking it's a very good long-term investment, but still as thinking about it as a hedge and as just a small position. And in a lot of ways, the small position works because if, if something very bad happens to the US economy or the dollar, that small position could end up becoming a very large portion of your net worth in the worst case scenario. So almost even thinking of it not as just like, oh, I'm going to get rich off of Bitcoin, but protecting yourself from some of the outlier outcomes that could happen with inflation and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Whereas the the value in Ethereum is a little bit different because that is money that people use like and that that is that is uh or, or not even money but that is a a protocol layer that people use to accomplish things on like a daily basis i gotcha jeff jones has been swinging by a lot of my streams and uh seems to just spit out gold on the regular so uh thank you for hanging out with us jeff uh you did miss laird he has one honey uh right now um that we know of laird doesn't strike me um as someone that would uh you know, break his bond like that. Yeah, I saw I saw Jeff's comment. I was gonna say what's up to Jeff and, and say he definitely doesn't know he doesn't know me on a personal level. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Do you did uh for the NFL athletes that uh you know maybe sample the groupie scene more? I mean, this must have been a rough year for them. Yeah. Um it's definitely it was definitely dangerous out there. You can uh, <laughs> sliding into the DMS of people was definitely a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's how dudes end up on the COVID list. Uh, I imagine some of them, I, I can't, uh, I can't expose any names and can't say I know anyone personally, but uh, yeah, I think I'm sure there's some guys in the NFL out there that got a COVID and they, they said it was for a different reason than, than what it really was. <laughs> What was the uh, what was the James Harden thing? It came out, wasn't he? Was it he was at a strip club before they were while they were playing in the NBA Finals? What was it? He was at he was at the baby's birthday party. No, no, during right before the season started. Oh, right before the season started. Oh, I had, I knew something that we wanted to talk to you about, Patrick. So. The the main face of Top Shot, the NBA sponsor that they acquired to be the spokesman, yeah, this is, is, big. is Tyler Hero, a fellow Miami Dol- uh, Miami Dolphin, a fe- fellow Miami professional athlete. Are you yeah. familiar with Tyler Hero? I know who he is, but yeah. I don't know him. 
Okay. Yeah. He seems like he's getting like a ton of uh, oh yeah, he has this, this cereal. Get your get your box out, Pete. Is that a collectible? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Big big time collectible here. We got our we got our Tyler Hero Fruit Hoops boxes. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's everywhere. Like he's he's very he's like blown in. He's gonna be like the next like NBA uh, I don't know what you call him, like commercial superstar. Yeah. Like I mean we state farm commercials. Yeah, we want we want to get him on the show. Um but obviously it's gonna be he's gonna be a tough ask. He's not responded to any of our tweets. If I uh, if I know of anyone that knows him, I will try to make the connection. The the thing we've realized is that uh, we only uh, are gravitate or we only gravitate toward professional athletes who live in Florida or, or you know play in Florida. You know, Lavisca became yep. a guy, Tyler Hero. Although I've also gotten really into another man in the Top Shot streets, Fred Van Vliet, who like you, an undrafted free agent who has now gone on to have great success in the wow. NBA. So people have been wondering. That's rare, they said, that's rare in the NBA. I know. Very and, rare. That's awesome. And his whole thing is bet on yourself. I mean, don't look at his crotch, but it does say bet on, bet yourself. on yourself right there. Um, people have asked me if you're jealous of me liking Fred Van Vliet as if like, do I have to be monogamous on my favorite athletes across different sports? I don't think so. I think just the more, I, I think it's okay. Everyone's like, you gotta only be a fan of one team and one person. <laughs> I think it's cool to be fans of everyone, you know. I mean, I've broken the rule many, many times. So yeah. yeah. Do you do you watch any NBA? Do you enjoy basketball? So I used to growing up. It was like I loved it. Um, but no, honestly, I don't. I don't even watch I hardly watch them like until the playoffs. Yeah. Which is bad. But um I don't know. I just I haven't I kind of lost interest a little bit. What was your what was your Super Bowl watching experience? Were you as mystified as the rest of us on on how hard the the Chiefs got beaten up? So you know how people go, oh, who you got in the game? Who, who who's going to win? I yeah, saying if I was a betting man, I'd say the Chiefs. But it's hard to bet against Tom Brady with two weeks of preparation. Classic Laird hedging it, just hedge, just hedging to left, right, and center. Laird's got his hedges out. Well, essentially, everyone I talked to afterwards, I was like, see, I told you guys. Tom Brady with two weeks of preparation. It's hard to put against that. <laughs> what about Andy Reid off the bye? Andy Reid off the bye is undefeated. Someone said that to me too. So I, I don't know. I mean, Tom Brady's been there like what? Yeah, that was his tenth time. So it's hard, hard to bet against that. Did you see the clip of Tom Brady from the, from the Super Bowl celebration party? There, how drunk he got. That was awesome. That was <laughs> Would you? If you if you won the Super Bowl and and had the Dolphins party, do you think you'd get that hammered? Uh, I'd probably wait for till later, like when the cameras were gone. But <laughs> Laird is Laird has too much of a brand to worry about, dude. He's yeah. ready to be he's ready to be a, a quadratically voted senator in twenty years. He can't have, he can't have videos of him drunk on a boat out like hanging out around there. The, the, but there's something about just like a post Super Bowl win, like any you're just gonna get like a break for like a week. Like anyone's gonna, they're gonna let you do whatever you want. Yeah. Like it's not like illegal or hurting someone, but you can pretty much do anything, and it could be very embarrassing. But like people will give you a pass. Gronk kind of paved the way for all of you fellow athletes that you can now do whatever you want at a party, Gronk, and it's Gronk fine. Didn't win or lose, you guys remember him um, when they lost the Super Bowl and he went out with his brothers? Yeah. Only, I think only Gronk can really get away with that just because, like, you know he doesn't mean – he seems like a guy that means well. Like, yeah. All the time, so. Did you did you talk to LaVisca when you guys played the Jags? 
No, I didn't see. I, it's like you know, like when people like shake hands after the game, and it's just yeah. Like, I, we needed we needed the the jersey swap between Laird and Chanel and you guys referencing this yeah. podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think that would have been peak. I thought if I like made a couple more plays in the game, I could have had more clout and gone up and talked to him. But I didn't really do much that game, so I could, it was hard for me to do that. And I, I don't think I really bumped into him. That's all right. The, the, those days are coming. Those days are coming. Uh, here's a good question from KB3. When Laird does decide to partake of the devil's juice, what is he drinking? Whew. Uh, you know, I don't really, I don't discriminate that much. I like, I like it all, but um, drink of choice. I like light, like a Coors Light beer, you know? Okay. Like, you're you're like me. It's ready for you to be a Michelob Ultra guy. <laughs> I, I don't dislike Michelob, but it, it, I think Coors Light's probably like my go-to light beer. Um, and then if I, like for hard alcohol, I like like I like sipping on whiskey. I think that's uh, okay. Classy. Something I, I like to do. I can picture I, you in a three-piece suit at a nice gala, <laughs> sipping on a glass of whiskey on the rocks. Yeah. The idea of Laird being a whiskey guy who like in his, in his uh, Twitter profile has like whiskey is proof that God loves us or something like that. Like that idea is very funny to me. Just being like a big online whiskey guy. You're saying me, I would be like that. No, it's just like that idea. I don't think you are, but just the idea of you being that is very funny to me. I think we just got, we got, we got one good card. We got a, a Mike Clevenger, hollow silver one here i i think these baseball packs don't have that much that's that good in them though to be honest so you're when you told me you wanted to rip open a pack on this stream i assumed at least would be football maybe basketball you're ripping open baseball cards we have patrick laird here davis and you're going through these dusty baseball cards it can't wait 20 minutes yeah not the conversation either wow getting getting roasted <laughs> well, I thought, I'd be able, I thought I'd be able to pull us something good, and we could we could crowdsource it, but it it's, it's uh, does not look meant to be. <laughs> I have a I have a nineteen six I think it's like nineteen sixty three Willie Mays card. Ooh, yeah. Do you know who the um, a card guy is? Uh, Vince Beagle on my team plays like really? the end. Big card guy. He's all into so he's all into crypto. You guys should have him on. He'd be an interesting guy to talk to. But he's like, tell him to slide it. Tell him, give us his email, dude. We will, we will contact him. Okay, he's really into business. He'll like in the off season, he'll go to like antique shops and look flip <laughs> things, and like he's got into like the card game. He'll buy like what did he buy? I don't even know if I'm allowed to mention, but um, <laughs> I think he got some Justin Herbert cards, like rookie cards. Yeah, those are all the rage. He's like saving them, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna like sell these over the next like couple years." <laughs> like, like, dude, what are you doing? Just he's like, he's he's doing it. It's like make money. You know? Pat, Pat doesn't understand. Pat's like, dude, just just lift some weights and get a bigger contract, bro. <laughs> I think I think he just does it for fun. But like, he I think that's like part of the fun for him is like seeing if you can like make a little money on the side. Yeah. Do you have Do you have any? Other little side hustles, things like your entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you do a lot of community focused things, but are you are you hustling out here trying in some of these markets? I've been thinking about it, but no, yeah, like I think the majority of my time right now is like doing like some of the community stuff with the Dolphins Social Impact Committee. And right now, what's taking up a lot of time is um, I shouldn't say a lot of time. It's 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 really not that much time. But um, what we're doing is we're collaborating with the Players Coalition. So the it's well, it was started by Anquan Bolden a couple years ago. And basically what I'm helping with is like, we're making, we're creating a program where like each team has a representative on the players coalition. 
so that we can kind of all collaborate. Because right now it's like all these NFL teams and players are doing their own thing individually. And what we found with the Dolphin Social Impact Committee is like when, you know, 12 of us come together, we can accomplish a lot more. So the idea is like how can we create like a an organization, a, kind of like a loose organization through the Players Coalition of all 32 teams having one representative. And so like if every player, if like every team in the NFL wanted to come together and do something, it could get done with the organization of the, the Players Coalition and this new program we're creating. So that's the main idea. I'm, I'm kind of developing that. And right now we're just getting like nominees for the, for the program. Yeah. That sounds cool. Is yeah. That, um, so you would be like the head of the dolphins and then like you would like the, so you'd be the lead guy for the dolphins players coalition. And then you they would yeah. se- they would send you off to the, the group meeting with the other 31 guys. Exactly. So and it, it could be like it, for us, for our team, it's going to be Byron Jones and I, we, we're going to be the two, um, we're calling them locker room leaders who are representatives for the players coalition. And so like every, you know, probably do it like four times a year. So like not, or maybe like once in the off season, once during the season um, where we just kind of get on like a zoom call and if guys have ideas or something, Hey, let's get every, you know, maybe the three Florida teams can come together and help. So are you going to use quadratic voting to decide on, uh, on what you guys are going to do? Maybe that's actually uh, probably not because I imagine imagine Laird trying to explain to Byron Jones. Like, okay, listen, Byron, this is what we're gonna do. I read this book with my guys that I do a podcast with. We're gonna we're gonna use this. We're gonna use quadratic voting to decide what we're bringing to the committee. Well, Byron, Byron would probably be on board. He's like a he's a really smart guy, and he, I think he'd be into something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's like organizationally, that'd be really hard to get everyone to do. When you're when you're in the season, um, do you find just like all of your I don't know um, like mental energy just devoted to football? Like when you come back, you just want to zone out and chill, or do you find your wheels turning? You're thinking about other things that are interesting you, reading other books. Like I'm just curious if you have that laser focus, or if you're kind of always, you know, thinking about other things. I think more more of the zone out and chill. Like when you get home, are you talking about? Yeah. So yeah, like sometimes I do think about like, oh, in the off season, I want to do this, this and this and this and this. But yeah. like, I don't start any of that really until after the season, just because from like 6 a.m. to like, usually like six at night and sometimes later, I'm like kind of focused on football. And so like, you just have like, a, you're just, you kind yeah, of- Yeah, you just, you just want to come home and watch The Office. Right, which I do. Except for now, it's on Peacock, which I haven't downloaded yet. But uh, I mean, fourteen ninety nine a month would really overextend you. That's not that's not a part of the layered twenty year plan. I'm still I'm still like, getting passcodes for all my streaming services right now. I've been able to swing that so far. So maybe I'll take the bill on Peacock and then share it with my family. Um, so, but th- I mean, this off season, like I've been thinking about different things, um, like maybe doing like speaking engagements, and then yeah possibly charging a fee um, or maybe doing like a mentorship program. You know, if a, if a parent wanted to sponsor their kid and then, you know, we, I talked to a kid on a monthly basis and kind of stay in contact and then, yeah. Um, but it's, it's hard to price those things. You know what I mean? Like, so I would never charge a school. So like for yeah. my speaking stuff, I would, I would go to any school for free and talk. And I would, you know, I like to do zoom stuff with, with classrooms right now. Um, but I don't know, like if there's like a company or something or like a, Maybe like a high school wanted me to come and speak to the, the whole school, something like yeah. that. 
I don't know if there's any demand for it, but I've been thinking about setting something up like that. And I was also thinking about podcasting. I don't know if like, cause I got all these requests. I told you guys about these, how many requests for podcasts I get. Yeah. Yeah. Like a landing page. And I said, okay, Hey, here's put in a date and the requested like a budget you have. Like, yeah. Download down on that. There's a program that'll let you do that. It's very easy to use Calendly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Calendly. Yeah. You could just put in the times that you're available and you could let people know your, your rates and everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little easy. worried now that we got the wheels turning that Laird's going to start charging us to bring him on here. No, I don't Crypto's think <laughs> we can afford it. Crypto's <laughs> pumping, dude. We can afford it. We'll, we'll pay you a Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, we, do you want, do you want in on a reading bet with Peter and I, Patrick? What is it? How much we can read in a year? No, we have, uh, Peter and I have a bet where we have to meditate 10 minutes a day and read 30 minutes a day every day between, uh, we started December 1st and it's going until April 1st. We both have missed one day so far. I didn't, I didn't meditate on Christmas. And then I think Pete got drunk the day after Christmas and decided not to read. Uh, but yeah. And then the winner at the end is just the person who missed the fewest days, but we're both on one missed day right now. What are, what are, what are the stakes? 500 bones. Wow. <laughs> no, it's so legitimately i i really appreciate it because we started it in season when davis and i are even more busy than we are now and it set up this really good habit that i now don't break at all and now i'm rolling it over into the off season and it's it's just the right amount of money where i don't want to pay davis yeah don't um, want to lose it you don't want to lose it and it's it's been very rewarding. I've been, I'm back to reading a ton and then I find myself reading more. You know, we have our 30 minute bet, but you get, you know, engrossed in a book and you keep going and stuff. So it, it's, it's been a good thing overall. Habit stacking. Yeah. Right. I like the idea. Uh, is this through that one website where you like to keep you accountable? Uh, have you guys heard of that website? It's like you, you like put a deposit down and then if you don't accomplish the goal, then the money is donated to a charity. I haven't heard about that. No, yeah. but that is, I have not heard of that, but that does sound right up my alley. Yeah. I thought, I thought I saw you tweeting about that. Like where to hold yourself accountable, the stuff you like put money on the line. And that's like, the only yeah, that is true. I'm in like five different prop bets right now, all related to uh, self-improvement, but none of them are, none of them are being tracked on this website. I could have, I could have cut out the middleman. We could have, we, and I could have just, uh, I could have, just booked these bets with myself, I guess. Yeah. Um, I can't jump into it now, you know, cause I feel like you guys are, you guys are halfway in and I don't want to disrupt the, the bet, but I, I think I could be interested in doing something like that. going forward. Have you yeah. ever, do you ever meditate? Have you ever? So I was going to, that, that was going to, that's the reason I'm kind of a little um, hesitant to commit because I've done meditation. I've done two different apps. I've tried um, we actually get headspace free through the NFL, which is nice. Nice. I'm rich. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to pay $69 a year, yeah, and this, this guy gets it. it for free. He's got an obstructed view of the ocean, gets free headspace. <laughs> I mean, what a life. It's it's actually really not fair. Like, the I joke about this with my girlfriend. Like, so in the NFL, like, you're, you're, you're paid well. Like, our, our salaries are public pretty much. You paid well, but then people want to like, they just give you free stuff. There's all this promotional stuff that you get for free. And it makes yeah, no If you call a restaurant right now and it's like, I'm, I play for the Dolphins, they'd send you dinner. No, I don't. 
there are like some companies every like my teammates <laughs> reach out to they'll get like free stuff and then they look at my profile they're like you you don't have enough followers we're not gonna give you <laughs> you don't have enough clout like like tua, tua gets free takeout in miami but not laird i'm oh. just laughing that davis's version of like reaping the benefits of being a professional athlete <laughs> is like applebee's and they're gonna hit him up with like some baby back ribs <laughs> that I think that that could be like <laughs> for like a couple guys. I don't think anyone, <laughs> not everyone, can just show up to a restaurant and get food. Um, but I was gonna say that the meditation thing. Like, I've been consistent for like days on end, and then like it'll then I'll miss a couple days, and I just I did for whatever reason I just haven't been able to get into it, and I've tried that's multiple what, times. Yeah, that's what you got to do. The bet. That's how it works. <sighs> yeah. But then you're almost like losing the, like the, I don't say the value of it, but you, you know, it, the, core, the core of meditation is like you choosing to do it because you want to do it. There, there is, I, I, I've wrestled with it too when we included that part in the bet and just kind of the irony of making a bet about meditating. But for me, what I, like my own personal mantra with it is the whole point is throughout the day, I'm distracted by so many things. I have the notifications. I have all this stuff, multiple chats, all this stuff that that's my one time to be present and to not be distracted by anything else. And so that's what I tell myself is like these 10 minutes, I might struggle. I might distract. I might start planning out my day, but I'm going to at least try for 10 minutes to be fully present in that moment. And somehow like the bet doesn't feel, um, I don't even think about the bet anymore yeah. when we do, when I meditate. Like I, it doesn't even register to me. It's just like I know I need to meditate for ten minutes, and yeah, I, yeah. Like it, at first, I would be consciously thinking about it, but we're we're like ninety days in now. Like it just it just doesn't. Are you guys doing mindfulness meditation? I I do that. I do the headspace. I I've done. I'm doing like the courses. Like they have yeah. like courses on focus or courses on uh you know mindfulness or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, there's some like verbal instruction, but I guess what I'm saying is you're not doing like, um, what do they call it? They call it like mantra meditating. Yeah. Mantra over and over again. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that one. I don't, I don't really like the visualization ones either. I prefer. No, yeah. Those. Yeah. But, I think uh, it doesn't work for me. I met this like sports, like sports psychology. There's like this big thing with like, um, envisioning like plays and stuff. Yeah just doing it over and over again and they like they preach that a lot and like i think every football player kind of does it to some extent like just naturally you know you just are kind of like thinking throughout the week like how you're going to do something yeah but for whatever reason like sitting down for 30 minutes and just thinking about that over and over again i that'd be tough for me yeah well that's what the the course i'm doing right now is on finding focus and they they told they for the like last 10 of them, they have, they're like, you know, think about something specific, what emotion an action, a thought, like something specific you want to accomplish. And I, I, my, my focus mechanism is thinking about my golf swing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, I haven't, it's three degrees outside. I haven't swung a club in two months, but I I'm hoping that something about that translates. I bet it will. I think there's something to that. I definitely think there is something to like visualizing doing physical activity before you do it and then like having a it's like your mind believes that it already did it in a, like a smooth way and then when you actually go try to do it you do it it's, in a way. it's so funny you say that because i've been reading this book flow right now i don't know have you heard about it patrick about like flow state and optimal flow experiences yeah what's the author's name uh i should i should know i don't yeah, know it's on my Kindle. um 
I've heard um, some dude on a podcast. Oh, it's it's a name. It looks like I might not be able to pronounce. Anyways. Your best shot. Kindle edition by Ali. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not the person I'm thinking of. You don't know. Anyways. There's a story in there uh, about, I believe it was some like prisoner of war um, from the Vietnam War. And while he was in captivity, he spent the whole time envisioning playing this golf round. And the first thing he did when he got free and came home is he wanted to go play on this course. And I guess he had like one of the best rounds of his life um, ever having not practiced at all, but that was his technique of kind of a meditative technique of getting through that is just playing every single shot on this course. And he played incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think, I really think there is something to that back when I like, I, I just, so like in skateboarding, there are these, there are these, uh, skate videos that come out and you like watch pro skateboarders do their thing. And like, I don't know, it was just, it's just like a very normal, like colloquial thing to do to like watch them before you go skateboarding. And I would always feel like, like one, like a really good one or like a guy who was like really creative or unique the way he did things. I always felt like I had like a better time skateboarding after watching a video that I like really engage with. And I think it is part of that, that mental, uh, I don't know, acuity, I guess maybe, or, or maybe it's like a mental warm up even. Yeah. I think uh, it was that, that was like a big thing. Like high school was guys would watch like their favorite player, like their highlight video on YouTube before games. I used yeah. to watch, like, everyone used to watch, like if you ask like any running back from like, or like I guess in my era, like my age, everyone used to watch Tavon Austin highlights when we were younger. Really? Yeah. Have you seen his high school highlight video? Yeah. He's, he's unreal. It's incredible. I don't think he gets tackled the whole time. Like the only time he goes to the ground is when he's falling into the end zone. Like any other time, he's just scoring a touchdown or like running out of bounds. That's why. I mean, Laird, don't be, don't be, uh, don't be shy about highlight mixtape or about high school mixtapes, dude. We know you scored like forty-five touchdowns your final year in high school. One of my biggest failures in life is not having you win that whatever California San Luis Obispo Player of the Year, Player of the Decade. I'm so pissed. It's it wasn't fair because it was just like all fan voting. You know, like the Pro Bowl, there's like fan voting plus. Yeah, like, but Pete should have had the clout. We should collectively, we should have had the clout. Like, I don't know how this other guy outclouded you. I, probably like his family had a very, uh, very strong Facebook following. You know, so was, you post enough on Facebook, people are just going to start. They'll they'll go out and vote for you. Twitter, it's like it's kind of hit or miss. You know that that's actually true. That I I've read a lot that that like click throughs on Twitter are like the lowest of any social yeah. media medium. <laughs> And they actually suppress it because they want you to stay on the site. They there's been yeah. so I was, when I was talking to Smith the other day, who said that that they suppress YouTube links out because then you're leaving and going to what they view as a compet, uh, competing platform. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, but you can all, but you can tell like when you read comments on Twitter under like an article. Yeah, there's like certain comments you see from people. You're like, oh, I know you just didn't read the article because. What <laughs> Oh yeah, it's refuted if you read the article. That's Twitter in a nutshell. Like you could, I mean, you can legitimately have a title um, and then say the complete opposite thing in the article, and people will only respond to the title. Right. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, people are people are very uh, very lazy. I mean, I've I've seen it to the point too where like people haven't even read 
Like, I think I did. Well, I had something with a screenshot the other day and it was the thing in there. And then it was like, well, what's the thing? I was like, just look at the screenshot. Literally, literally open the screenshot through the wider image. <laughs> yes. Then you can see what I'm referencing. Uh, yeah. Our, our brains are so broken uh, how we want to be spoon fed uh, this stuff online. So I think I, I definitely should take a meditating again, because what I've noticed recently is like my memory I feel like my memory's gotten worse since I don't want to be like one of those people like since the pandemic started, but like I, it's true though. I feel like it's partly true. I, I'll be like confusing. I've always done this confusing like dreams and like things that actually happen or like <laughs> things I thought happened, but like were actually a dream. But now it's like my girlfriend and I were having a conversation and, and she'll be like, do you remember those people that like stopped by and like said hello? And I'm like, and like she was explaining who they are. And I'm like, I can't remember them for some reason. And I don't know if that's like someone in the comments is going to be like, it's because of football. But like, I think it's, it's, it's the amount of. He's, he's already ready for the CTE comebacks. He's just yeah. like, he's. Yeah. You, you are so pro, uh, you know, content creator ready when you. That's my move, anticipating the comment before it even comes, just getting out ahead of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't think it's that because like, I, I wasn't really hit that hard this whole season. So like, I. Yeah. I didn't really get banged into. Um, I think it's, I think part of it's my fault for just scrolling through like Reddit and Twitter and um, just reading a bunch of different articles. Cause like you read an article and you're like, wow, this is great information. I'm learning a lot. And, and then you, you don't retain a second of it. Yeah. Then you just go to the next one and you read another article and it's like, cause like on Reddit, I, I think I follow like good subreddits. I'm learning a lot, but then I'm like, I'm doing it so much that I'm not processing any of it. And then I'm meeting, I'm like, things are happening in my real life that like I'm not processing as well. And then I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I don't know. I, I could be overthinking it, but I was wondering if you guys are like, have you experienced anything like that where you like literally don't remember meeting someone that someone saw you meet or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, definitely long-term memory stuff starts to get really fuzzy. And I do think the actual product of the COVID stuff is time has felt really warped as far as like, we're now coming up on a year here. I think it'll be March 11th was the big Rudy Gobert night in the NBA that kind of set the domino effect and shut everything down. Like to me, that's blowing my mind that we're coming up on that date and that I've essentially lived inside, you know, in a different capacity than I ever have um, for that period. And when I think about times over that duration, it like some stuff seems like it was just yesterday. Some stuff feels like it was five years ago. So I, I do think something about COVID and being more insulated has kind of distorted time. Yeah. What are yeah, your I think that's just because humans are such social creatures that we it would stand to reason that we measure passages of time by our interactions with other people but if you're only interacting with your girlfriend or your wife or whoever uh yeah it would it would stand to reason that those things would be more limited which is my experience like 90% of days my girlfriend's the only person I see. Yeah. What, uh, what are your, when you're, what are your favorite, uh, subreddits to like, when you, when you start scrolling on the internet, what are the kind of topics you're, you're seeking out? Uh, ooh, I'm like on a bunch of different ones. Um, <laughs> I'm, for whatever reason, I like the, like the financial ones, like the economics, the financial, there's like financial independence ones, you know, they're like, you just kind of learn about like different financial truths and stuff like that. My yeah. man's into financial independence. Can we get can we get you to buy a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin on this show? <laughs> how how would that even work? Do I have to like create an account? Yeah, you create an account on Coinbase. 
you buy you you link your your account info you buy a hundred dollars and you forget about it until 2027 i mean i guess i can do that <laughs> <laughs> no you you need to do it on your own time you need yeah, to you feel need to safe Coinbase. Here, I'll give you the referral so we can each get $10 oh, for free this Bitcoin. Is, this is his long game here to try to shill <laughs> you. You are so disgusting, Davis. Ripping open baseball cards, doing like, oh, this will be a fun content bit for the show. And also I'll get a $10 kickback. I'll, 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 I'll forego the referral just because I want Laird to be a hodler. Well, yeah. I'm down for the referral because we both get 10 bucks. <laughs> oh, you, just got, you just got a Top Shots reward uh, message instead. Oh my God, Davis! While trying to share the link to Patrick, accidentally posted a a message from Jacob from Top Shot about the, the, the Dapper community at Top Shots. But yeah, uh, Pat, before we got on air, Pete and I, Pete and I, we thought that we would um, be spending the show trying to buy trying to buy more Top Shots packs, but uh, the service the the service got delayed. What Davis, yeah, actually it's um there's this condo in Puerto Rico, Pat. Now hear me out. <laughs> You're there a month out of the year, I'm there a month, and I now have a four hour presentation to uh to tell you about that. No, okay, this is a funny thing. I think I maybe grew up in the wrong era to understand timeshares. I don't think anyone in my life ever tried to shill me a timeshare. I have an awful uh memory as a child. Uh let's go. Let's, with a timeshare where my parents, we went on a trip where basically it was in Colorado. It was like a, you know, but to somewhere um, nice, like a resort kind of thing. But the catch was they're like, you can come stay here for two free nights, but you have to listen to this uh, timeshare pitch. And they had like this whole setup where like my brother and I were probably like six, seven years old. They're like, you know, here's some toys, go watch a movie or whatever. Right. And my parents are are so nice. Like my parents won't just shut someone down or like what they were there for five hours getting this pitch. And part of it was like, well, we feel guilty because they gave us the, the free place to stay. I'm like, yes, that's their entire, you know, business plan. So, um, so to really get the better of someone in a timeshare, you just have to be willing to be like, I'm leaving. And I don't care about the social uh, niceties of sitting through the presentation. Yep. Yeah. So that would be perfect for me because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel that thing, like yeah. that, that, that badness. That like timeshares are, I feel like are such a, a relic of the '90s, or at least those kind of sales pitches for for timeshares have big '90s energy. I I never think about this, but Laird is like way younger than us. I just, I'm 28. I'm Pete's really old. Yeah, Pete's really old. old. Get out of here. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm 25, so I'm not that much younger than 28. But I, I just, I, I don't, I would not have processed it. Like, I, I think in my head, in my head canon, you're older than me. I, I do oh, too. Really? I legitimately, yeah. I feel like you're more, you're definitely more mature than me, but I also feel like you're, you're older than me. Yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like you are, you're just like far more distinguished. Like, I just feel like you, you, you like have the, the, um, more like moral certitude of like a 37 year old. <laughs> I don't know about that. You guys only know me in the, um, well, actually, no, we met in person. So you guys really know, know who I am, I guess. All, I know it's a day okay. to a, a freezing day, a freezing loss to the New York giants. So I, there, I, there's been some, um, I wanted to address some comments I've seen on Twitter 
people believe that I am just taking advantage of your guys' relationship because you guys have like five times as many Twitter followers as me, and I'm only friends with you guys so that I can get more followers on Wait. I, I want legit, you to know that what a bit, what a bit that would be. Like Davis and Peter, and I like hanging out and talking to them. I'm not doing this fake friendship to get more followers on Twitter. Wait, I have missed these. Have people actually said that to you? I never have been tagged in these. People are thinking it out there. I think. People are <laughs> Wait, so did you lie? Are there actually these things, or you're getting out ahead of it? I'm no, he said. He's I want saying no that. I'm not using you guys for the followers. You guys He's are- saying there's guys in the Dolphins locker room who are like, I, we saw you doing that podcast with <laughs> Pax. We saw you just glomming off of his, his, uh, his 18,000 Twitter followers. <laughs> oh, my God. The thought of you trying, mean, the amount of places you could go to boost your exposure more than on this <laughs> show. <laughs> this guy knows Michael Lewis. Like, he can. <laughs> Yo, know, Michael Lewis isn't on Twitter. Wait, wait till you guys hear uh, Glenn, the author of Radical Markets, oh talk about gosh. some of his connections that he has, like oh, insane yeah. connections. Imagine, imagine that this adventure ends with with us doing a podcast with Laird and Vitalik, that we introduce these two men who might as well be aliens to one another from these two different parts of life. I think that's the end goal. I, I think that's now my new goal. <laughs> would I have to? Uh, would I have to buy? Um, Ethereum before we meet with this guy. Um, no, he's not. he'd he'd be down. He'd be down. He'd be down to chat because he he like because uh, I don't know. Ethereum is a whole different thing. I I couldn't even. I I would not be. I would not be the uh, the right person to explain the world of Ethereum. Yeah, I would. This comment makes in what Patrick said. I would like to say um, any other NFL players that are trying to ride my coattails. <laughs> You want to hop on the show? You want that little, uh, that Peter Overs at Clout Boost? Hop on. We'll take you to the moon. <laughs> yeah, hey, Doug, Doug Polk came on the take cast last week. So we're, you know, we're, we're really trending up in terms of famous people to be on the show. How, how do I pin one of these comments? Or Which comment like, do you want up here? Uh, Laird plays in the NFL just to pump his reputation with some third rate DFS touts. Yeah, I put that up. I, I mean, I take offense to that. I mean, we're second rate at best. I mean, come on. Third rate? rate, third rate. Come on, like let's be real. All right, third let's, rate. let's just call spades spades. All right, you're right. Who's that guy? Can you? Can, who's like a first rate tout? Levitan. Yeah, Levitan. Levitan's probably the number one tout, right? Yeah, the go- the gold standard, the golden boy of cash games. Um, yeah, we got we got to we got to get you more in these uh, in these fantasy streets, Patrick. Um, I like, okay. So you guys want to announce your idea with, uh, with Glenn? I honestly think it's such a good idea that you guys, it's, it's, know, it's like know. truly the best idea that's ever been said by anyone on a podcast, Pete. <laughs> well, maybe it's going to get stolen by someone that listens to that. And like they execute it before you guys are able to do it. And then they monetize it. And then they, you know, no, but here's the thing. If someone does that, that means that we get to play it. Yeah, so if, someone, if, someone, if someone steals it from us and does all the code work and gets it figured out, uh, that sounds pretty great to me. And I will say, we'll, we'll just use this as a tease uh, to listen to the Radical Markets uh, book club podcast that's going to come out here after this. And yeah, we came up with one of these ideas uh, that he has in the book, how it could potentially apply to a fantasy football league. So uh, you guys can keep an eye 
out for that. I'm going to be posting that uh, once we're done here and Davis is going to get the audio up on the take cast. Um, yeah. Any, uh, anything else in, on your mind now? Are you, does the off season feel, you know, daunting like this long stretch before you're back at camp? Or are you looking forward to kind of having some downtime? I like the off season. Um, I, I, I like training in general. So it's fun for me to like plan out, you know, how I'm training, what I'm going to do. Uh, this off season, I, I told you my goals. And then like another thing I'm just trying to do is just invest more in that, right? Like invest more into my training, invest more into nutrition, um, equipment, all that sort of thing. Kind of like, I don't want to say spare no expense, but, you know, spend more money on that, on those sorts of things. So that when I show back up in maybe April, maybe May, um, but obviously, you know, July and August, I'm going to be like ready to go. So I, I like that part of it. And then my other goal is to, I want to shoot like high eighties. Yeah, I knew, I knew the golf thing was coming. Mid eighties and golf. So I'm going to take a couple lessons. Um, but yeah, no, I, really, I really love it. The off season is fun. I'm chomping at the bit to get, uh, I'm, I want to do one of the less, like I did a few of the lessons where I went and he just worked on my swing, but now I need to do one where I play nine holes with a pro oh, with a pro. Yeah. And they can kind of analyze a bunch of different specific situations. That's yeah. I think the next step I need. Is that a, is that a, like a, a thing that I've, I've never, I've never gotten lessons. My dad is like a four handicap. So like I'll send him my swing and stuff sometimes, but I've never, like what, what would be the most effective way to spend like 500 or a thousand bucks on my game? Like, I don't even know. Are you asking me? Either of you. I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I, the most value I've gotten, um, has been from those lessons, even like a 30 minute lesson that cost you 75 or a hundred bucks. I mean, the guy I worked with sent me, you know, a bunch of notes and kind of some photos of my swing and kind of annotated them and stuff to focus on. And now I have like these steps that I go through when I'm practicing my swing. And so just paying 75 or a hundred bucks for that, and then getting value every time you go to the range or play around to work on it. I, I think it's a great investment. Yeah, one thing I was going to do, I was going to buy like a pack of lessons. Yeah. Which I guess one way you can do it is just like try out a, one lesson with a guy and then decide if you want to re-up and go again. But I think I might just buy like commit to like five lessons and just schedule them like every Wednesday for five weeks. Yep. And just see how good my game gets after that. My problem I mean, you, is you got to have the tools to be really good because you're you are – a literal pro athlete. Like you gotta, you gotta have the, the flexibility and the strength that if you had a, like a really strong mental game and a really strong understanding of the mechanics, like you should be able, like putting is whatever. That's more of a mental thing. But in terms of like being able to smash the ball, hitting it out of the rough in a way that like, I, you, like a, a normal dude just never could. You would imagine that, but for whatever reason, it's I would the case. It's it's kind of sad actually when I go golfing because sometimes I'll go just as a single and then you just get put in a group. And I went like a month ago and I went with the like, there's like these old guys I got put with, and they always hit it so straight. They hit it straight. They you know they have great ball contact and then they like they outdrive me just because like my driving is so inconsistent that I just swing like just super soft just because I want to be able to find the ball because if I try to smack it it'll it could just go, you know out of bounds almost, you know, 70% of the time. So I just kind of hit it nice and easy and just hit it straight. And then I'm playing with these older guys and by like hole four, you know, eventually like one of them will ask, Oh, so what do you do? Where are you from? And then like, you got to explain like, you got to be like, I'm a professional athlete. And they're like, 
So they're intrigued. They're like, cool. You're like, they're like, oh, that's awesome. And then like the next time we drive, they hit it like 50 yards farther than me. And then they think I'm like just this weak athlete. And then they'll be like, so do you actually even play? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you don't want to name drop, but when you say older guys, you can just say you've been going out with Fitz. No, I'm not even talking about <laughs> – I, I wish I played ball with Fitz. Uh, no, I'm talking about like old random dudes. Um, Fitz, Fitz doesn't have time to golf, man. He's got, he's got too many kids. Kids, yeah, but he lives close to a golf course in Arizona, so I know he goes pr- pretty often in the offseason. Um, Let me um, – there were a few questions I had put in the Discord when I let people know you were coming on. Uh, someone did ask a question about Fitz. Uh, Fitz is known in fantasy as being a YOLO guy with some of these balls he throws up, the you only live once balls. Someone said, is Fitz magic even more YOLO in practice than we see in games? Or uh, or does the YOLO just come out uh, under the bright lights? Um, he doesn't hold much back during the games, which is in itself like – that's a pretty amazing thing. You know what I mean? For a guy just to go out and just have confidence, like in his receivers, like I'm just going to throw this ball here. And um, a lot of time he fits it in these tight windows. Does he do it in practice like that? Um, I mean, yeah, pretty, <laughs> he, he's an old, he's an older guy though. You know what I mean? So like some of the bombs he'll throw in the game, like he's, you know, he knows he can throw it. So I don't think he's gonna like waste one of those long throws that he has. He, yeah. he he knows he's got the counter. He's like, I got you know, I got about 125 yeah. deep balls left in this shoulder. I'm not wasting one throwing it to Mac Collins dressed like Bob Ross at practice. Yeah, he's li- he's limited the amount of throw. But yeah, like it's just the way he has like a certain philosophy. So like quarterbacks have like different ideas on like how the game should be played, and like he has just like an aggressive philosophy. And um, I don't think. I don't think he really turns it off in practice. <laughs> he just he has so much control of the game, so like he can just he can just do things that not many other quarterbacks can do mentally as well. Yeah. As it seemed like he was pretty bummed out, but also handled it very well when uh, when Tua got the nod. Yeah, I think so. Is I mean he's super competitive, and like we voted him captain at the beginning of the season, and like. Um, yeah, he's obviously like as a competitor, he wants to continue to play. And he told me, like, I was like, I kind of asking him how long he wanted to play for. And he, I think in his mind, he's like, I'm not coming, like, I, I'm not playing football just to be like, like a, a backup. Yeah. Like a perennial, backup, like we mentioned before. Like, he's, he's playing because yeah. he believes he's good enough to be a starter and wants to, he's like, I don't spend all this time away from my kids because I think that, like, to like, just watch and like be around at practice. Like I'm trying to play and help a team win. And and so I think as long as he, any team will give him a shot to do that. I think he'll play. I'm not, yeah. like, sorry, that's not me relaying that he's going to continue playing. I'm no, saying, no, I know. That's his well, mindset. He's always wanting to play and be a competitor and be the starter. And he's very gracious when another team, when the team decides that they're going to start someone else. Yeah, I know. I think, uh, I can't even imagine too, once you've, I assume it's almost like a form of a drug of, you know, playing quarterback in the NFL. And he clearly gets so much joy out of that too. Like I assume it's like putting the genie back in the bottle. Once you know what a thrill that is. And then to be like, well, now I I'm not getting to do this on a weekly basis. I, I, I assume it's super hard to stomach. Yeah. That, that, that's very true. Actually, especially for a quarterback position, 
because you're either playing or you're not. Like for me, I've had games where I played like 30, 40 snaps at running back, and then I've had games where I played zero and then play some special teams or, you know, have two snaps. Um, yeah, but to, I mean, to go to zero just feels like it would be so brutal. Yeah. Well, and then like quarterback, you, you don't get to play special teams. So you're not really like, you're like, uh, you're just, you're, you're part of the game plan if an emergency happens, you know? And so there's just a different, a different like mindset with that, which is, that's really tough. And one of my best friends in college had that, like he was, you know, battling for a starting spot for like three years, but never was able to kind of, to win it out. Um, but he had like a great head on his shoulders and was always like prep in preparation for, you know, to help the team win. But like, there's just something different about being the guy going in on Monday, you know what I mean? Yeah. And preparing for the game on, on Sunday or Saturday. Yeah. So, it's all. Yeah. What uh, like had the high, highest character, one of the highest character guys I know, just because he's been able to handle that throughout his whole career. Atomic fits habits. Um, yeah. Did you did you enjoy uh, watching the NFL playoffs this year? Were you watching a lot of those games, or were you just kind of over it? No, I watched every single game. It's I think it's the first time in my life I've watched every single playoff game in the NFL. Um, I don't like. I, I was just bummed that we didn't make it, but then it was just like it was fun being a spectator and just like watching the game. <clears throat> and then they're like a lot of the teams that we play this year were in the playoffs. So it was kind of fun to see like, Oh, are they having, are they showing the same looks on special teams? You know, um, or are they, yeah. are they bringing, are they bringing film, film grinder Laird? Laird has his hand in the dirt for sure. Yeah. I was trying to see like, uh, I was trying to see if I could recognize the blitzes with, um, with the, the chiefs, like when they're bringing their, their linebackers and when they're bringing uh, Matthews. So uh, you, did you notice just the giant hole in their offensive line for the entire game? That was tough. Yeah, that was. Um, they're missing uh, Mitchell Schwartz, their right tackle, who's the cow guy. So I think that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. It was that was one of the most overwhelmed I've ever seen a football team look. Oh, here's speaking of cow guys, we got to talk about your guy Chad Hansen. He became a bit yeah. of a DFS cult hero this season. Did, did people play him in the? In the yeah. Line? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was he was crushing it, man. So his first game that he was active this year, I think he had over 100 yards receiving. Yeah, he, he had 100 yards in his first two games. Wow. Yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, I was I was literally talking to him today. So <laughs> shout out to Chad Hanson. Yeah. How? What was he? Uh, what's he up to these days? Is he back? Did he come back to California? Yeah. So he he was actually just in Hawaii for a couple of weeks, and then now he's back in California, starting to train. Um, Chad, open invite to come on the show. Davis will uh, he'll send you a, a link to get signed up on Coinbase. Don't worry, each will get ten dollars. <laughs> Davis is going to become a Bitcoin millionaire by shilling his Coinbase account to everybody he has <laughs> to, on his podcast to different to different NFL players. Like every <laughs> yeah. So how it were uh, were you talking with Chad when he was getting all that that playing time? Uh, how was he handling that all? Yeah, I mean we were all going crazy just because we're all like in a group chat still from college. And so like, there's like, I'll get out of my games and like check the group chat and people be like, nothing well, pervades like a college group chat. They never die. They never die. And uh, yeah, people were just like, like, Oh my God, Chad, like, you know, just all this stuff. And they're like sending videos of highlights and stuff. So we were, we were pretty stoked for him. Um, but Houston, that's an interesting situation going on there. Yeah. Uh, have you guys been following that? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, we're pretty checked out from what's yeah, going on. Yeah. You know, we're so busy with top shots. It's like, who can even fu- keep track of all these quarterback situations? You joke, but there's a little truth to that, Davis. <laughs> no, I'm in it, bro. I'm in the weeds. You're the one who is out of the weeds. You're the no, one. No, no, no. I got my NFL alerts. Yeah, I mean, not the long like Sports Illustrated article on it. I, I didn't read that. Did you? Yeah, no, I, I read it and I like sent it to multiple people just because I thought I think it was Sports Illustrated. Yeah, long <laughs> Sports Illustrated. Just type in um about like the the Texans ownership and everything. Uh, yeah, about um it was it came out December tenth. I might have read this actually. It's about the um one of the guys in the executive office that kind of like came came to the team from the Patriots. Oh yeah, Jack Easterby's rise to power and mismanagement of Houston. Yeah, so that that article it's worth. It's like it takes it's kind of a longer one, but it's it's definitely super interesting. And um I don't know, like I'm not going to like disparage another organization. No. Uh, but I would never ask you to say anything controversial on this podcast. <laughs> no, you got yeah. It's, yeah. it's sometimes it's hard like you just be having a run, like a normal conversation and you're like not sure what you're allowed to say or like I mean, hey, look, if we if we really want to press you to the gills, like your team is one of the rumored destinations for Deshaun Watson. There's so many rumors about just our team in general, I feel like, in this past like year. Well you have all the you guys have all the picks. You just have all these picks and all this salary cap. You can mm-hmm. kind of do whatever you want. What do you guys think? What do you guys what would you do if you were the general manager? I mean, I, I think the trajectory of what you guys started doing last year made so much sense. Focus on the offensive line, focus on defense. I think you definitely need another maybe wide receiver playmaker out there that you could invest in. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not writing off to a, in the way that a lot of people want to, I want to continue I'm to not, see what I'm he not has. writing off to a, but I would trade to a, and the two first round picks this year for Deshaun Watson to a, Please tell me you didn't make it an hour and 48 minutes into this. I know you listen. <laughs> I, Tua, I know you listen, but I know you didn't listen this far in. But I, I would I would trade the, that those assets for Deshaun Watson, who is one of the most amazing athletes I have ever seen in my life. Well, the He's um, so good. The Stafford trade kind of almost like ruined that market too. Yeah, it did. Did you did you have thoughts on that trade? The Stafford Goff one? Yeah, I mean that one, like, I feel like that one came out of nowhere, or maybe I wasn't following close enough. But that one kind of surprised me. Um, I don't know. Quarterbacks, I mean, because I'm friends with Jared, and, like, quarterback's such a tough position. And the Cal connection, we forgot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, it. I, I feel like, like, obviously I'm not a GM, and I don't know all the dynamics on both teams. But I feel like the – the the lions got a lot like they got a lot of they got a good setup for that that uh yeah it, that trade i think jared's a good quarterback and then they got a lot of picks to, to help you know surround them with with uh, good players so is is jared by i mean i, I watched jared on hard knock seemed like he had this nice setup there he had his little pitching green you know going down there and now now moving to michigan i, I wonder if that uh and, that might uh, be a tough pill to swallow yeah uh He's a California kid too. I mean, but he grew up in the Bay Area. Hates the cold weather, that guy. <laughs> uh, he'll be. I mean, I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, the Lions have an indoor stadium, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's good. Um, he's just like, yeah, obviously they had a really cool setup in um, in Southern California and had a lot of connections here. But I think he, he's like a mentally, I think he's he's probably more mentally tough than people give him credit for. So yeah, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna go into this like he's gonna, he has something to prove, you know. And I think he's, I'm hoping he'll he'll prove people that doubted him. He'll yeah. prove go Bears! Go Bears! There's some there. He's got some fun weapons there too. I mean, Kenny Galladay was injured a lot this season, but he's a grown ass man. DeAndre Swift looks well, very exciting. He probably won't be on the lines next year. You he might think? be. He might be. Kenny Galladay might be teammates with Pat. They do. They uh, need Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is he just? Uh, a he, he's old, he's older than Pete. <laughs> is he? he <laughs> no, not is. quite. He's not. You know where he went to college? Is he a cow guy? A cow oh guy. my goodness! Everyone's a cow guy. Yeah, we pretty much run the NFL. <laughs> yeah, just a okay, yeah. Really, when, I think, yeah. when I think about pipeline schools to the NFL, it's like it's like Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Cal is kind of how it goes. Who who won the MVP this year? I literally don't even know. Was Did it Rodgers yet? Yeah, they already announced it. It was Rodgers. And I remember, I remember being. You guys know where Aaron Rodgers went to, to school. You're right. It was Aaron Rodgers. How did Wait, I miss this announcement? Were you, like, were you like four when Rodgers was in college? No, it was, he's, he's, he's like, like fifteen. I was, he's nine, like, I was nine, I think, two thousand four. Yeah, he's a lot older than you. Yeah, he's a lot older. That's funny. He's supposed to, he's supposed to be like really, really smart. He would. I don't know if you guys saw his like conversations with um, uh, at McAfee, but like. I mean, they mostly talk football, but like he likes to talk about stuff outside of football. I feel like he would be a way more interesting person to have on this uh, on this show than me. The thing yeah. is, is he's, he's a little he's a little worried that it would come across like he was just trying to chase my clout. Yeah, on here. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty he's pretty prickly. I feel like I feel like he would not he he would not respond to our overture as well. You don't think so? Well, I've also said some mean things about him online that probably he would find. Really? Not well. It's it's hard to say what's mean or not, but I thought he played pretty poorly relative to his standard the last three years until this year. Okay. Let's just say that Aaron will be using my Coinbase code when he comes <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I just uh, I bought zero point zero zero two of Bitcoin. Wow! Patrick Laird is a hodler. Oh my gosh! He's no longer a no coiner. Wait, so I don't have. So if I just have my my Coinbase, that'll that'll hold my Bitcoin. I just have to remember my Coinbase password. Correct. Correct. There are some more intricate things, but we'll we'll talk to you about that offline. All right, so, about hundred dollars worth. So now you need to start. Okay, you need to change your bio. Just put hashtag Bitcoin in hashtag it. Bitcoin, and then do a bunch of rocket emojis and say, "We go into the moon, fam." Yeah, say pack it like bags, let, let. Pack your bags, we go into the mood, fam. <laughs> yeah, a, a golden Lambo tweet. I'm on I'm on Reddit, but I do not I'm not a part of Wall Street Bets. I'm not a part of that subreddit. So yeah. Wall Street Bets Wall Street Bets hasn't even found it. When they when Wall Street Bets finds out about Bitcoin, it's gonna be all over. By the by the end of the year, they're gonna be calling you diamond hands, Patrick. <laughs> I, I know it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like our journey has just really sort of taken a new level now. Now that Pat's a hodler, like yeah. it's gonna be so good. He'll check the price so much more often now, too. 
What like, was the no, best? I know. The best part is when we had Pat by the top too. It's like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to have a pullback and Pat's going to be so bad. Pat did the show with us for the first time when the Bitcoin was like, when Bitcoin was like three game checks and now it's $48,000. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, at least Davis gets that $10 of Bitcoin in his account. Do you, uh, do you own like one, at least one Bitcoin? Are you uh, willing to share the, I don't, I don't know how much of personal information you've already shared. You really, are, you really are not supposed to say things like this because people will. Yeah. You're trying to get like, me robbed. Yeah. Come to your house and rob you. But yeah, I do it. I have more than that. I mean, I've been, I've like, been dollar, both Davis like, and I. Yeah. You have like 10 Bitcoin. Da- I'm not gonna, I will, we'll text offline, Pat. Okay. This is only fair. It's like we, we ask you questions about Miami Dolphins locker room dynamics, and Laird's like, all right, tell me how many Bitcoins tell me, you have. To, tell, me, to, tell me to the 13th decimal how many Bitcoins you have. <laughs> I will just say that Pete and I have been buying some amount of Bitcoin every single day for two years. Pete, I think, oh, even wow. longer than me. Or not every single week, rather. Yeah, once a week, dollar cost average, auto buy out of my hands i don't need someone like david yeah. twisting my arm to go by just let the computer do it yeah, just don't look at the price and i just i just let my account do it for me interesting yeah you um that's a buffett philosophy dude you should be you should be into that that's that's right up your alley like don't look at the price just just hold you know his thing is only buy what you understand so that's is that is that true? I don't know that much about Warren Buffett. That's one thing he says. He only invests in stuff that he understands. Um, or that's, what yeah. he pre- that's what he preaches, at least. Which, to me, that I I respect that. But then he has such a hardline position against it. It's like, shouldn't that work both ways? That you can't have a super negative stance against something you don't understand either? That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think like... I don't know. I used to watch him, like read a bunch about him, but um, it seemed like he didn't like this. He, he would go, yeah, like making money and in, investing in tech companies is fine. He's like, I just don't understand it that well. But yeah. it seems like if you follow like Berkshire Hathaway over the last few years, they've started to invest in like a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Well, technology companies. I actually just read, uh, I actually just read uh, a book where, he played a pretty key part in the resolution and him being stubborn cost himself a bunch of money actually of being like, really? yeah. Uh, when, when genius failed, you, you'd probably, you'd probably really like it, Pat. I definitely heard of that book. Um, uh, you probably are even, uh, our guy, Glenn well probably knows some of the people involved with it. Uh, long-term capital management when they failed back in um, the early two thousands. I, mean, I, I saw you tweet a book recently is that the book that you, you talked about when you yeah. long term long term capital management like the biggest hedge fund failure ever yeah it is uh, you know to to give warren some slack i mean imagine kind of how your brain would be rewired if you had been massively successful doing one thing like year after year decade after decade and then like the paradigm starts to shift like it would it would be very hard at that age and being successful one way for so long to just be like, okay, you're right. I will completely change my strategy and what has worked with for me. And I'm not saying like, I do think he's wrong, but I, I sympathize with how hard it would be to be like, dude, Hey, Peter, I I know you have a few Bitcoins, but I literally have made billions of dollars doing what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm just going to keep doing that. I'd be like, okay, Warren. (laughs) 
Yeah, there, there's that. And then, um, but to play the devil's advocate a little bit, like he's been hearing that for decades, though. Yeah. Like, people in the 90s were like, you're missing out on so much of this, like the tech companies and those are the future. And the like, dot com. And then the dot com uh, bubble. And then he kind of like was able to say, hey, I told you so, I told you so. And then, then there's another run up all the way to 2009. And he just kind of stayed investing in his long, you know, his companies and then he'd buy them when they're cheap. And well, it's, like, it's like every decade someone will be like, well, now you don't understand. Now you don't know. Now you don't know. And then maybe there's going to be another, another bubble that he comes out on top again and he can look back and tell those people like, I told you so. But you're right, though. The things always do change. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting, too, and I feel like the GameStop thing kind of illuminated this um, and probably a problem with the retail investors is that like the best thing probably for the market is people investing in companies and things that they believe in long term and not playing it like a casino, riding a stock for a day, flipping it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that was what Warren Buffett did. And he would invest in these companies, have this long view and, you know, focus on the fundamentals. And ironically, that's kind of what we're doing with Bitcoin. Like this is a long-term thing. I'm not actually really speculating on Bitcoin. I'm not day trading it. I'm not trying to flip it, right up rising wedges. I believe in it long-term and I'm making small investments. I'm using the Warren Buffett playbook, but just on an asset class that he doesn't understand. Yeah, that's true. Someone uh, said, what does Laird think of Kathy Wood and uh, ARK Investments? So she's she's the one that runs ARK Investments, right? Have you guys heard of her? Yeah, my my friend, my buddy, my buddy Rhett is a, is a huge fan. Uh, like one of my best real life friends is a, is a big fan of ARK. Yeah, I was I was actually just looking at their ETFs recently, um, but I haven't bought anything. I don't know. I haven't. I, what's uh? What's your what's your uh, what's your favorite ETF? Tell me your favorite ETF. Uh, S and P five hundred. <laughs> yeah. the, actually i don't even know if it's i think schwab's is a mutual fund but the the fee is 0.02 percent management fee so i have i have that one and then the vanguard etfs too yeah. yeah a good bit would be like guy who touts like vanguard funds but it's just like super hyped we're going to the moon <laughs> reading the chart on vanguard etfs um Alicia, Pete, you're my fave, uh, but ever can I get a shout out? Shout out, Alicia. Um, thank you for watching. Appreciate you. Um, we probably should let probably let should. Laird go here. Uh, I assume my, you- my headphones literally just died. <laughs> we've been on we've been on so long. My headphones just died. What's on What's on tap? Have you been making uh, the girlfriend and the parents dinner? You know, how are you endearing yourself to them now that you're crashing at their pad? Oh, so. I'm glad my girlfriend's not watching this part because I have, she's always on me about making food and stuff. And I'm just so bad at it that I just like, I'll support in the effort, but I have to have her tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Pat, then, dude, come on. This yeah, is I'll such a solvable dinner. thing during a global pandemic. <laughs> I, I just, I can't get into cooking for whatever reason I can help out, but I'm just, it's hard for me to take charge. We have been doing the air fryer. We're kind of on the mm. air fryer. Kick. Um, I think the air fryer in some ways, lives up to the hype um that's something i can take i can take charge of uh but yeah i'm like uh, if i'm gonna do something special i usually it's like i'll, I'll go order i'll 
order something out and then bring it, you know, bring it in. He applies, he applies the, uh, he uses the credit card on, uh, on the local take on like Thai food takeout. That's the yeah. move. Yeah. yeah. Here's, here's clay. Did, did you, did you pull out, uh, the red carpet for Valentine's day, Patrick? So I did something that I thought I would never do. I bought an expensive bottle of wine because when I was like, very off brand when I was in, when I was, Seventh grade, thirteen. I read Freakonomics, which we talked about briefly on the first part of the podcast. Um, and they did a study in the, or they showed a study in the Freakonomics chapter showing that expensive wine was not better than cheap wine. And I told myself when I was thirteen, like seven years before I had a glass of wine, I was like, you know what? When I'm older, I'm never going to buy an expensive bottle of wine. But for some reason, the, it was like the day before Valentine's Day, I was like, you know what? This is like a, it's showing, you know, something special. I'm going to get a nice. Cabernet and uh, it was way too expensive, but we tried it. It was good, but I can confirm that you can get just as good a bottle of wine at Trader Joe's for like five bucks. Did you tell her how expensive it was to get the cred just on, you know, Hey, this is uh, you know, a couple game checks here. Just <laughs> want like, you to know. This is 0. 0.002 uh, Bitcoin. But, um, <laughs> uh, I just said it was a nice bottle. I think that's what I said. Yeah. There you go. I was, I was like, this is, this is a nice bottle apparently. According to the price tag of the store. <laughs> well, I know you only came on this show to kind of boost your own clout. So, is there anything you'd like to plug? You know, I, I want to make sure you're getting value out of this. Yeah, you guys should definitely uh, follow me on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter. Uh, Use my Coinbase referral code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, Laird, now you have a Coinbase referral code. You can start chilling that. One, so, one, do you guys use personal capital? You guys heard of that? I haven't. No. Okay, I'm gonna send you guys my referral code. Here we, we go. Both, we both I use I use Wealthfront though, which I assume is the same thing. Does it like aggregate all your accounts? Oh no, that sounds super interesting to me though. Somewhere to take pull all my disparate money spread across 19 different investing sites on the internet sounds literally perfect. Exactly, that's exactly what it does, and it aggregates it all, and you can calculate and track. You like Laird? I will, I will, I will scratch your back after you scratch mine with the referral for sure. Did you get your ten bucks? I Let's already go. Got Let's go see. This is actually a piece of phishing uh, tracking software. And Larry yeah. just trying to figure out how many Bitcoins we have when he sends yeah. us this link. Is how I steal your Bitcoin. Uh, looks like not yet, but I, it sometimes takes a little while for it to pay out. So I'm not, I'm not sweating it. Okay. <laughs> well, now it's already worth $97. So I just lost it. Oh, taking L's. Larry doing uh, nothing uh, but taking L's. Welcome to the Bitcoin experience, man. <laughs> One moment you have $100 in Bitcoin, the next you have 96. And when I was filling out my account, I told, I, they're like, why are you signing up for Coinbase? And I was like, because I want to, or like, why do you want Bitcoin? I was like, to purchase things online. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the only person that filled that. They didn't have the option that is because I'm Laird, Laird on a literally, live stream right now. <laughs> Laird literally buys coffee. He, he, he fulfills the meme. He literally buys a cup of coffee with his Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a believer you can purchase things with, with Bitcoin and then it's going to become even more valuable because people are like, well, you actually can buy stuff. Well, yeah, something yeah. that is coming out now that a couple of different companies are working on is, is Bitcoin credit cards where you have the, you use your credit card and you swipe and your account balance is your crypto. But obviously when you swipe it, it's paying in US dollars. So it allows you, it allows you to spend your Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever frictionlessly at other places. Interesting. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to let Patrick hit the road. Pat, as usual, this was a ton of fun, man. Thank you for giving us so much of your time. 
yeah, thank you guys for having me and uh, giving me that clout that I, I desperately need. Yeah, man. The, we are we are here for well, you're, you. You're, you're very welcome. <laughs> um, well, yeah, as usual, we'll have to uh, we'll have to circle back together. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, coronavirus will go away and we can go play a round of golf sometime. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. imagine it. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Do follow Patrick Laird on Twitter. Um, he is what I would say criminally underfollowed. I mean, if how do these third-rate DFS guys get more Twitter followers than an NFL athlete? It, it's unjust, Patrick. I don't know. <laughs> Follow him on Instagram. Hit up his MySpace. All that good stuff. Um, I'm, I will, on I'm on LinkedIn. Hit him up on LinkedIn. Assistant to the quarterback. Yeah, endorse him on LinkedIn. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. We are going to do, got a lot of requests to talk more about DeFi, decentralized finance and stuff. So we're bringing back Andy from Club Top Shot to talk about that. So we will be doing that tomorrow night. Davis, hey, are you farming yet, bro? I might, I might uh, be uh, getting my yield on. Um, Davis, any other plugs here for your, for your peeps? Uh, uh, the take cast next week is having uh, Scott from Starstock on it. So just really getting in that boomer physical card market. <laughs> People All will right. be uh, looking forward to that. There we go. All right, guys. Appreciate you hanging out with us this afternoon. The book club podcast will go up shortly on both the audio version on the take cast, the video version on my feed. Check that out. Read Radical Markets. We'll maybe reconvene down the road on that. Appreciate you, Pat. We will see you guys next time. wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.